0: Yeah, oh
1: my Sports Radio, 101.9 FM, the Welcome in, everybody, to McCartan After Midnight, here on The Fan. Good morning, New York sports fans. Of course, I'm Danielle McCartan, and I'll be talking all things New York sports with you till 6 a.m. on this early Sunday morning. Or late Saturday night, if you're still out and about in the city that never sleeps, it's been very, uh, very quiet out there. Although no parking, Chris McMonical, we were just talking about how he gets a little nervous when I when I'm a little late. And he figures that I'm on such a schedule that if I'm not here by like 22, there's an issue parking. And there was again today. So or, you know, maybe you are working on a weekend like usual. Me and Pat are, too. We're coming to you live from the Mike Francesa studio in lower Manhattan you guys know that number, 877-337-6666. Let's load them up with your best content only. And uh, yeah, special guests tonight. Yeah, plural. That's right, plural. In the 3 o'clock hour, we will be joined by, stay with me, the Brain Trust of the New York Liberty. My first time having on a general manager and a head coach on my program for you guys. And they're going to be on together. So GM Jonathan Kolb, head coach Walt Hopkins together. And guess what? In the four o'clock hour, I put up three clues. We had a late addition to the show. Three clues. One was a basketball and a guy dribbling a basketball to signify a player. <clears throat> Excuse me. Two was a a, a microphone because he is now a broadcaster. And my third clue on Twitter at Coach MCCARTAN was the number two and the number four which is the number he wore as a New Jersey net. That's right. Richard Jefferson will be joining us in the four o'clock hour. So make sure you guys are stay tuned for that. So I want to change the lyrics to this song for baseball's back. All right. So this is a great night. You guys to talk about how the MLB, we haven't gotten to this yet, has deadened its baseballs for the upcoming season. I did a lot of thinking a lot of research on this throughout the week. Considered every angle of it, quite frankly. Um, one, the science behind it I looked at. Two, has it been done before? Three, is the impact of it positive or negative, especially as it relates particularly to the Yankees who mash home runs all the time, right? And four, does now the advantage swing to the batter or to the pitcher? So we can examine all of those questions there. I'm, I'm very nerded out about this this whole talk. So I hope you guys will be too. Uh, So Brett Gardner, he's a Yankee again. He's back. Guess who's back? Back again. I'm just so very lukewarm on this. You know, sure, he had an uptick in his play. He he sees a lot of pitches at the plate. But I just feel that the Yankees need for, in my opinion, just another starting arm coupled with the fact that they're unwilling to exceed the luxury tax threshold. I just thought that money could have been – you know, I'll just allocated elsewhere. To me, just a starting pitcher is more need based than another outfielder for that team. Yeah, I get that Judge and Stanton are off injured and we probably won't see much of Stanton in the field anyway. But hopefully I'm sure you guys are hopefully you guys saw and if you didn't, you're listening now, they have a new training program and by developed by Eric Cressy down there in, in Florida. So hopefully that um will keep them on the field and we can talk about that as well tonight. Um with what they've been doing and how they've been tweaking it for the first time ever, which is great news if you're a Yankee fan, right? Um, so the Yankees, they just they have more depth there in the outfield than the additions that got, they had. Greg Allen, they have Jay Bruce, they have Derek Dietrich this offseason. So when it's all said and done, I just think that, and those are off season additions like for this year, I just think that the Yankees are expected to be only like $5 million under the tax threshold now. So they're probably done with making deals. And it's just, I'm so lukewarm on Brett Gardner. Also, here's another thing. Apparently, uh, in my research earlier on Saturday, that deal apparently was on, on the table for weeks. So no one wanted him? Because you would have to think if, if he had another offer, especially for more money, he'd be elsewhere, right? So did the Yankees overpay him, or you know, at that point? Or just did people just not want him? But I'm very excited to see Clint Frazier... Um, I, I didn't like him when he came up in the beginning. I'll be honest with you. I talked with some of the former players, and they said, yeah, the kid needs an attitude adjustment. And he, he, he has had an attitude adjustment, right? So he's got he's an exciting player. He's got a ton of upside. And just based on the trajectory that he's improved to get to where he is right now. And as you know, Aaron Boone announced him to be the starting left fielder. Well-earned, well-deserved The deal is a one-year deal worth $4 million. And by the way, it includes a second-year player option that, if rejected, turns into a team option. Also in Yankee land, the domingo Herman saga took another turn this week. And if you haven't been paying attention or dropped out of points, here is the timeline. I'll try to keep this as succinct as possible. Wednesday, Aaron Boone said that he, Cashman, and bench coach Carlos Mendoza spoke with Herman, welcoming him back to the team. Boone said, we feel like he's in a group, a good place coming in, and now it's on him to go out and kind of resurrect his career and complete, compete for a spot on this team. Fine. Wednesday night, Herman posts to Instagram saying in Spanish, quote, everything is over. Deletes it. Then puts up another one in Spanish that said, I'm ready. Remember, this is not the first time he's done something like this. He's already retired and unretired shortly thereafter, also on Instagram. Thursday, Boone talked with Herman about the posts. But uh, the conversation had to have been about being smart and choosy. Um, Here's what he said. I had the conversation about trying to be as smart and choosy as we can about some of the things that we're expressing publicly. Furthermore, Boone said that he thought, quote, it was maybe a little bit out of context, a little bit overblown. No, absolutely not, especially since Herman has a history of making gigantic statements on social media, then redacting them. So, no, this was not out of context, and this was not overblown. What context was there? It's an Instagram post. So is your head spinning? Because mine is at this point. And then you add in the fact, also on Thursday, Zach Britton was asked about the situation. He said he doesn't expect an explanation from Herman about what transpired and led to the ban. Then, in a really, I'm going to say unexcited tone, he added, "quote I think sometimes you don't get to control who your teammates are, and that's the situation." I don't agree with what he did. I don't think it has any place in the game or on the field, off the field at all. I think it's something that he's going to have to deal with on his own and make better choices going forward. Then, Zach Britton doubled down on Twitter on Thursday evening when he was challenged by a fan. The fan ultimately basically said to him, why are you so concerned about Domingo Herman? So Britain writes back, ha, you think I don't know the circumstances? Get a clue, bud. Was asked the question, by the way, and I gave my answer. I don't care if you're sensitive to it. You know what? It's refreshing to see someone give a real response, take a real stand. Because to me, this should be an absolute, right now, finite breaking point. One, for th- for three reasons. One, You've got Herman, who hasn't yet figured, I'm doing air quotes here, figured it out since he's still posting cryptic messages then taking them down then reversing course with new ones. Two, there's an inflection point in the clubhouse at this point created by Zach Britton publicly doubling down on condemning the behavior and rightfully so. And three, I feel that the player is now making the manager look foolish. When Boone says the guy is ready to go, he's back at it. And then he has to publicly, again, double down on him after having a conversation about the uses of social media? Let me tell you something. This is a 28-year-old man. I have this conversation about how to utilize social media in in the right way with my 14-year-old athletes on literally day one of the season. Before they've even opened a high school textbook, I've given them the riot act about their social media usage the correct and the incorrect ways to utilize it. Guess what? With teenage high school athletes, I've never had one single problem with them and social media in 10 years of coaching. Not one. They get it. Why can't Domingo Herman? So I feel this is twofold. You've got a mentally unstable man being almost coddled and and willed to succeed by an organization. And guess what? It's not working. Tough love is where it's at at this, what is to me, a breaking point. In conclusion, adios, Herman. P.S. We still don't even know exactly what happened in that situation. And my question is, why not? Why don't we know? We hear about everything else. Why don't we know the details of what went down there? I think that's important. And the greater context to this whole thing is the usage of social media by athletes. At the root of all of this is the social media fallout, right? The Hermann Post, the Britain doubled Down, and then you've got, in another heavyweight bout across town, Noah Syndergaard versus Trevor Bauer sparring on Twitter. And that started out as a Noah Syndergaard quote tweet of a Mets post of him and Robert Gazelman laughing, taking a jab at Bauer for passing up the Mets in free agency. Syndergaard wrote, quote, and then he said, I'm sorry I chose another team, but I'll donate to your charities. That was like a joke. Bauer's agent responded with, LOL, was this an attempt at throwing shade with the thinking face emoji after that? Bauer then brought screenshots into it. That's when you know you're in trouble. Screenshots of Syndergaard roasting fans who are writing insults to him on Instagram. Syndergaard then accused him of digging too deep. Bauer said, see you at the bottom. Syndergaard then challenged him to, and I don't know what exactly, but Syndergaard said, You bring a drone and your mixtape, and it's a deal. Hashtag take a joke, bro. Bauer said you've got yourself a date with a shaking hand emoji. And Strowman chimes in, and he says, Twitter is all jokes, honestly. The date, by the way, of the first meeting between the Mets and the Dodgers this year? Friday, August, you guessed it, 13th. Uh, This is something should the Mets and the Dodgers face off in the playoffs, especially... You know, just to drum up uh, interest on a national stage, it's like fighters trash-talking each other leading up to a fight and, you know, garnering interest for it. To me, this kind of drama is great for baseball. People are already talking about, about what will happen when Bauer and Syndergaard will pitch against each other because, obviously, in the NL, the batter is still a hitter, which is ridiculous, but that's besides the point. But this type of banter, which is good, clean, fun to me anyway because it took place on Twitter and partially from Instagram, is what the MLB needs to leverage even more to generate interest for younger fans, to engage fans even more, fans my age, that is, and potentially to bring new eyes to the sport of all ages. So if you're not into social media, that's fine. Don't pay any attention to it. Continue along your day and tune into my program. I'll break it down for you. But it doesn't ruin the product on the field. So you're going to witness no difference. So I'll ask, is this Syndergaard-Bauer drama, A, real? Because these are two guys that really know how to use social media. And B, is it good for baseball? It, we could even throw Britain's comeback into a fan about the Herman stuff, too, into that. And for the Mets across town, Walker, he's a Met. I told you he was going to be. We've been talking about him coming to one of our teams, at least on my show. I look back since December 13th. At that time, it was in the context of actually joining the Yankees. And it was an ultimate, you know, at the end of the, the day, it was an ultimate no from me for the Yankees at that point because they needed, at that point, a true number two pitcher. At that, Walker is just he's not. And in the end, the Mets saw it the way I saw it too. He, he's most likely going to be their fourth or fifth starter, and right now, and they must have been listening when I said if I were them, I would take a flyer on him coming off the time, you know, Tommy John. You know, I, I get it, but it's it's it's. It's a str- It could have a good upside. They signed him to a two-year, $20 million deal. While I like the two-year time frame, I am not really too crazy. I really don't like the $20 million price tag. That's $10 million a year, obviously. Up to this point, the most he had ever earned in any in individual season was a hair over $5 million. The good, he's got a 27 ERA, which is good. Two forty-three opponent batting average, also good. Potential, like I said, for a huge upside, but like I told you earlier in the winter, think to 2017. I mean, you could 157 in a third innings he pitched with a three-four-nine ERA. So that's before pre-surgery, obviously. But then you got the bad. His fastball is down a little less than two miles an hour. He was below the league average on his strikeout rate, his ground ball rate too. His his swinging strikeout rate was among the lowest in the league. Statcast put him at the 13th percentile. And he's averaged just four and two-thirds inning per start in 2020 in the shortened season. So uh, while I like the two-year deal, while I like the signing, I don't like the dollar amount. And, uh, and we could talk about that as well. But uh, we've been he's, he's been brought up on my show since at least December 13th, and and he ended up with the Mets. So
0: how can we forget
1: the NFL's quarterback carousel keeps turning and turning and turning. After the exchange had sent Matthew Stafford to the Rams and Jared Goff with two future first-round draft picks and a third-round pick in 2021 to the Detroit Lions, there's been another move that has been made. The Eagles sent Carson Wentz to Indianapolis, as you heard, I'm sure, for a third-round pick in 2021 and a conditional second-round pick in 2022 that could become a first-rounder based on his playing time. The Eagles sold low on Wentz. His rating was second to last in the league last season, beating only, guess who? Sam Darnold by one-tenth of a percentage point, or or just one-tenth of a point. Both guys are in similar positions without any real real tools around them, so flip the script if the Jets were offered a third and a conditional second for Sam. Again, no deal from me. Again, use the draft capital to build a team and stay patient. And just a quick note on hockey, did you guys uh, check out the Lake Tahoe game between the Colorado Avalanche and, and the Vegas Golden Knights? It, it just ended. So maybe you're you're coming on and you're tuning in right after that program uh, into my show. Golden Knights, they will always hold a special place in my heart. I have friends that live there, season tickets, the whole nine. So I've been to games with them. So if you missed it, it was a little crazy with the ice quality delay. Um, which was like maybe about 90 minutes. The game resumed just a few hours ago at midnight, and it just wrapped up. Tomorrow's game, the second of two, is the Flyers and Bruins, and that's already been postponed till a 7 p.m. Eastern time start. Um, I saw the drones, but I actually thought the 8K camera was, is, you know, we all love it on on this show here. I, I thought that camera was going to be back. I didn't see it. Um, the outdoor series, though, are are my favorite series to watch. I think... And I know if you're like a hardcore hockey fan, you're like, it's just a gimmick. I get it. But the Lake Tahoe scenery is beautiful. I've I've never been out there, and maybe I'm considering it now. And the players, if you watch the interviews, they, they seem to love it. You know, when it goes right. And obviously today it didn't go right. And, and just more locally, the uh, Pittsburgh beat the Islanders. Rangers beat the Capitals. Devil's lost to the Saber. So, lots to do tonight. Lots to get to. I have set the table for you guys. It's time to eat. I hope you got your snacks all ready. Cannot wait to talk with you guys. 877 337 6666. I'm Danielle McCartin. after midnight on The Fan in New York City.
2: Working on the weekend like usual. Way off in the deep end like usual. I swear they passed us. They're doing too much. Haven't done my taxes. I'm too turned up. Got Welcome back
1: to McCartan After Midnight. Night. Just jamming out oh, that song. kind of okay. lost track of it. Welcome to the overnight, everybody. Welcome to WFAN in New York City. Welcome to McCartan After Midnight. Um, we've got uh, a bunch of calls on hold. Let me take a look. Gardner, Gardner. All right. It's, uh, it's baseball season here in New York City, everybody. Um, oh, by the way, I put up a poll earlier. You guys are always curious. I, I, it's, it's so funny to me how... how you guys always like to vote on, on what I can wear, or what I should, what T shirt I should wear. So, gave you three options tonight: the New York Liberty, New York Mets, or or the New York Yankees. Um, and the winner of the vote, uh, I'm trying to think. I think it was like a 55 you know majority rule was the Mets. So I have a blue, uh, you know, my Mets royal blue Jacob DeGrom T shirt on tonight for you guys. You voted for it. You got it. You want it. You got it and it's number 48 on my back tonight. Okay, let's let's go to the calls, you guys. 877-337-6666 is the phone number leading off tonight. Kevin, uh, let me give you an announcer voice here, Kevin. Leading off for the WFAN Overnights, Kevin and Camden. Kevin, welcome to the show.
3: I appreciate that, coach. <laughs> Thanks. What's up? I appreciate that. Uh, I want to talk about Gardner. Yeah. All right. Initially, when I heard it, I was okay with it, but then you brought up a point that I forgot about. I forgot about Greg Allen, and I forgot about Jay Bruce because I was my, my argument was going to be he could be assurance, but that's what essentially Bruce and Allen are. Mm-hmm. But my biggest, my big, I have a big concern. My concern is that he's going to take a batch from Clint Frazier. Yeah, and he better not yeah. do that. Well, this, this is this is his this is Frazier's time to shine. He better he's got he's, this is his best chance, and I don't want Gardner ruining it.
1: Guess what? I hate to break it to you. Yeah.
3: He might. <laughs> you know what I mean? He might, yeah. No, but I mean, I, him, I have respect for Gardner because he's a, he's a lifelong Yankee. I got to give him that. Right. But nowhere else but the Yankees. I, I, You know, not many Yankees do that. Bernie Williams, third year, Posada. I mean, there's a few of them. But I got to give Gardner love there. But I mean, as far as, I don't really, I mean, what's the fit, really, fine? I don't see it. I really, I don't see the fit for this year's team. I, I'm with you. I, you yeah. know, it,
1: Clint Frazier is the starting left fielder. Boone said it.
3: Yeah, but, but I, don't, I don't see the hatred of the Yankees fans have for him. But
1: I don't know if it's hatred. I mean, for me, it's kind of like, okay, it's we've seen it, we've heard it, we're done with it, sort of yeah. thing.
3: You know what and I re- mean? For me, yeah, I got you. And real quick, with the Mets, um, Taiwan Walker is going to wear number ninety nine for the Mets this year. He announced it on social media. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna pull a, a page out of Vernon's book. Who is the only other Met to wear number ninety nine? Oh, man. I, I don't know. And you, you should know this because it, re- it was relatively recent. I don't know. Turk Wendell. Turk Wendell. Pitched for the, for, who pitched for ninety seven to one with the Mets.
1: My dad loved him.
3: He was one of my dad's favorite he players. He was awesome. I remember <laughs> seeing him as a little boy growing up with my dad.
1: <laughs> oh, man. I want to give
3: you that little Trinity question there.
1: Little shout to you, Vernon. Hey, Kevin, what were we talking about before on, on, on Twitter? What was the question that I – oh, what, what debut did you see? You guys want to get aboard with this, too. What What – You know famous players debuts did you see i put down aaron judge i was there in the stadium for that i
3: forgot what you said and i did say julio Tehran. oh that's right and i sent you the the picture of me and my dad with it was at the philly stadium and it was my friends my friends from atlanta so he was wearing a hat and it was kind of a fun game uh he didn't pitch much because it was a rookie and they had him on the innings limit but it was still fun to see that but i was you know i had a a match hat on i left in the car because i couldn't wear it in the stadium but you know, it's just fun. It, was, it was fun to go see it though. Philly's got a nice stadium, but always wanted to go to City Field in the Yankee Stadium. That's something I've always wanted to do. Hopefully, I get the chance to. But it's kind of hard when you're living here and not living in New York. But hopefully, I get the chance to one day. So,
1: Kevin, you know, you will hopefully. do it. You will do it. And maybe I hope We can so. make an event out of it. Maybe we can make a huge event out of it when it's time.
3: That sounds like it. that sounds like a plan to me.
1: All right, Kevin. Thanks for the call. Appreciate right. thanks, it,
3: thanks, Coach. Thanks, Coach.
1: So this whole it's like this whole love affair with Brett Gardner. I get it. He's one of the stalwarts. You know, people like to say, "Oh, well, he's a leader. He brings leadership to the team." Yes, he does. But just because he's the oldest guy in the locker room doesn't mean he's the only leader in the locker room. You know, Kevin's worried about him taking at bats away from Clint Frazier. That yes, that's at the top of my list too. But I'm also, what about this? Worried about what about he's if he's preventing another guy, a younger guy, that's gonna be there from taking over the reins of of that leadership role. And I understand, because I coach, you can have different leaders of different types on, on the team. However, I just don't know. You know, I just, I I I, I was under the impression that he was going to be gone. You know, sayonara. I almost think that they want to give him one, like, last tour, you know, with – because if you saw, Doctor Fauci said that he expects fans to be in baseball stadiums by the end of the season. So I'm wondering if the Yankees just brought him back to give him like a little, little old tour with the fans in the stands, you know, the whole thing. I don't know, but I, I'm just very lukewarm on on it on the move. And the fact that no one else wanted him is what I read. Uh, it, no, I I am inferring that no one else wanted him because the offer was on the table for weeks, is what the what the report said. So. There's got to be something to it, right? I don't know. All right, let's go to in the hole where I used to bat in the batting order. Justin in Deer Park. You are on the fan.
4: Hey, Daniel. That was a great hockey game, first of all, tonight.
1: Yeah, it was exciting. I love the outdoor series. I, I do. I love them.
4: I love them, too. This more especially. Just of the atmosphere where mm-hmm. it was. It's just, like, this is what, if you play an outdoor hockey game, it should be in an environment like Lake Tahoe.
1: What about when, I, I went to, uh, they had an open skate when it was here at Yankee Stadium. They had an open skate the night before. I went to, what was it, Rangers Devils, I think it was. That yeah, guy. it was
4: Rangers. First it was Rangers Islander,
1: Rangers Devils, then it was Rangers Islanders. Yeah, yeah. I, I went to the all open right, skate. Yeah, that was right, that was so on. cool. For me, just to do open skate in Yankee Stadium It was awesome. All right, my <laughs>
4: point. Let me make a point. I think this is big because there's something that money cannot buy, leadership. Gardner's a veteran leader. He's been, he's been there for for a long time, and I went, Judge is injury prone. Hicks is injury prone. Yeah, but just because you're
1: injured, it doesn't mean you can't be a leader,
4: right? Leader, but yeah, but so I mean, you got and,
1: Kevin Durant on the sidelines currently. He's not a leader of the team. He is,
4: but. Yeah, Gardner's been there, and was Gardner, he just is the guy who doesn't take anything from anyone. He will go after when he when guys are not doing right, and then he's tough. and I think this is just they brought him back just because, well, just as precautionary, because I'm sure there's plus with everything they need as much outfielding help they can get.
1: Nah, see, I disagree on that. They need as much pitching help as they can get, especially if some of these guys don't end up working out. If Kluber doesn't work out, that would be a gigantic disaster.
4: I, I get it.
1: You know, so I don't know. All right. Yeah, and, and 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 thanks for the call, there, Justin. I, I'm and I appreciate always you picking up the phone. Just you know, I, I think think of any career, right. Just because the person has been there a long time, it doesn't automatically qualify them as a leader. I'm not in the clubhouse with Brett Gardner. He's well-respected, right? Everybody says he's well-respected. I just don't know if you bring a guy back because because he's a leader. Yes, he had an uptick in his stats at the end of the season. Yes, two seasons ago he had his uh, career-high home runs. I I, I get it. I get it. But you've got Clint Frazier— who's been chomping at the bit, who was a a gold glove finalist, right? Give him time to play and don't take it bats away from him. If Brett Gardner is okay with that, with sitting on the bench, um, can't even really say pinch running situation, right? Because he's not a threat on the base paths anymore, quite honestly. So I don't know. I just think, I think it was time to move on, to be honest. And and I'm not, I'm not really sure. Um, Yeah, I'm not really sure. Let's go to, yeah, Joe D. in Staten Island. Joe, you're on the fan.
5: You know something, my dear? I get a kick out of you when you're on.
1: <laughs> Why is that?
5: Well, first, look, I, I'm not going to argue with you. I think I, I think you're good. Thank you. Do, uh, doing what you're doing. Thank you. Let's face some fact there, yo. You are a mad person, okay? Hey, what? Not a, you're not a Yankee fan.
1: <laughs> Joe, let me tell yeah. you something. I wore number seven in T-ball, and I asked my father... Dad, who's number seven? And he said, that's Mickey Mantle. And as a T-baller, I was like, who's that? You know, like, yeah. And then I got the whole history of the Yankees and the whole thing. So,
5: Gardner, Gardner's going to get minimum. Minimum. Now, remember what I'm saying this right now. Minimum. He'll get from, from 350 at bats to 400 at bats. What? And then that, 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 that <laughs> just hit me out for a second. Okay? All right. You're gonna have people on that team that are gonna get injured. It happens every year with, with the Yankees. They get injured. Gardner has been a very reputable Yankee. If you look up, look up his career, he's got over 1,400 hits. He, he's got around 600 RBIs or even better. And, and he's about a 265 hitter. And yet last year in September, he is something like 400. He will get about three hundred and fifty bets at least.
0: No okay. chance.
5: Uh, well, I- I'll tell you what. <laughs> what. If I'm if I'm right, and, and and I call you up during the baseball year, uh-huh. at the end of the year, are you going to say you were wrong? I will. Yes. Okay. okay. I will
1: for sure, uh, Joe. That, uh, that's okay. a deal. I will take twice on Sunday.
5: All right. Now I'm going to ask you a question. Go ahead. How about the Mets shortstop, Lindor? Now what? What
1: about him? <laughs> uh, great defensive shortstop. Now,
5: now let me ask you a question. <laughs> what did Lindor win in Cleveland?
1: Well, the team wasn't the best.
5: Well, why did Cleveland let him go? They
1: were under salary cap. The hell.
5: Under uh, salary cap, they were. They were. There.
1: They were in trouble. They. They need. They needed young talent. They needed to unload him.
5: But before we start talking but, uh, about how great Lindor is...
1: So, wait a second. Lindor wins... Okay, Lindor wins two gold gloves. He finishes in the MVP voting in the past four seasons.
5: Right. Where'd he finish? But where,
1: where did he or his team finish?
5: where did he finish in the MVP voting?
1: 9, 5, 6, and 15.
5: 9, 5, 6, and 15. And is any of those figures one or two? No, they're not. No, they're not. Okay. So when he comes up in the MVP voting one or two, then we're going to talk about how great this young man really is.
1: Well, he'll prove himself. He he will Uh, have to prove himself. I'm with you on that.
5: And let me tell you something. Every night... On Saturday, when you're on, mm-hmm. I always listen to you.
1: Thanks, Joe. I appreciate that, and I always appreciate you calling in. You know that.
5: Well, and, and I, I'm going to tell you one thing else. What's that? In order for the Yankees to win this year, their starting pitching has to come come through. Yeah,
0: oh,
1: and
5: for and, sure. and, and I think they made a major mistake by not signing Tanaka. Me Be- too. What?
1: Me too. I agree with you.
5: Oh, oh we agree with something. We do. Yeah,
1: Tanaka was uh, was important.
5: Now, the the guy that they they got right now, Kruger, Kruger, right? Yeah. Remember, Kruger's fastball is only up to 90 or 91 miles an hour. And remember, he didn't pitch in over a year. So they are banking on an if situation Mm -hmm. if he pitches well this year.
1: Agreed. Okay. It's, it's, a, it's a gigantic question mark. The Yankees rotation, and Joe, thanks for the call. I always appreciate it. I always think of, Joe, before I let you go, I always think when I see your name on this thing, I always think Joe DiMaggio. That's what I always think, just so you know.
5: That's that's, that's my dear. That's Jolton Joe DiMaggio. That's right. <laughs> that's Take right. Yeah, Joe, it. Thanks. Bye-bye.
1: Uh, <laughs> I do. I, I always look and say, oh, Joe D. Oh, Joe DiMaggio's calling. Joe DiMaggio's up. Uh, I'm just trying to do a quick calculation here. So, uh, I'm I'm just trying to figure out Brett Gardner's average uh, plate appearances because that that's a bet that that I am going to take. So if he's got, uh you know what, I might have to do this on the commercial. <laughs> My brains are a little fried at this time in the morning, but I, I just wanted to say because uh, what do you say th- over 350 at bats? Over 350, Patrick? Yeah, yeah. All he right. said
6: 350, 400, and I'll do it for you because last year he played in 49 games. He had played in about 150 every year before that. So you multiply his at bats times three would have had three hundred and ninety at bats in a normal year, you know, in an unshortened season.
1: Right. So he said he
6: said three hundred and fifty. I'm, ta- ta- so I'm taking he the he's under. He's going to have the same, basically, the same out again this year. Not going to happen. No shot.
1: Not going to happen because because you know, Clint Frazier has come along. I know we have to hit the break here. And, and another thing too about injury. Yeah, the Yankees are oft injured. We could talk in a second about how Stanton and Judge have revamped their their injury plans. And of course, don't forget that. Brett Gardner is precisely 37 years old and 181 days. So, round up. He's 38 years old. It's kind of old. I know, for a baseball player. <laughs> it's for a baseball player that's kind of old. All right, so maybe we can get into the Stanton and and, uh, and and what Judge and Stanton are doing differently this year, um, which I am happy for and I am excited to see. So, we'll take more your calls after the break. 877-337-6666.
7: Hey, what's going on? It's the moose coming up Monday after Boomer and Gio at 10 a.m. Moose and Maggie right here on the fan. Maggie baseball to chat about Mets and Yankees spring training, Florida.
6: Plus the trade value for Sam Darnold.
2: If indeed the Jets want to trade him, we'll shed some light on that. We start at 10 a.m. on sports radio
7: 1019FM and radio.com.
0: Working on the night shift, baby.
1: This is a request from Kevin and Camden. John Party. Pat and I, we are working on the night shift, and maybe you are too. I always, when you guys always tweet me and say I'm working, I always want to know, like, where and doing what. I love that. Uh, we've got Cousin TJ on Twitter. My brother is named TJ, but this is Cousin TJ, not related. Uh, he said 400 ABs, and he did the, the the rolling eyes emoji and the smacking of the head emoji. So, uh, Joe D, you've got two people going against you now. And then he also said that Drake song hit the spot. That's, our, that's like our... our you know, our, our weekly thing here. And I love the, the Night Shift song. I love that. So I always say, I always say oh my God, I got to play this on the show. And then I always forget to. So Kevin reminded me.
6: That might be our locked in 2 a.m. lineup. Life's Good with the working on the weekend yeah. as the first re- you know, return for break. And then Night Shift might have just solidified its spot as our number two hitter.
1: And you're not a country guy, but
6: I'm I, not. I love country. In the summer, you know, I'll do it. Like yeah. I'll willingly go out of my way to listen to country music in the summer. Outside of May, to August. Oh my God! No shot.
1: He's a, you're a music snob.
6: <laughs> I'm not a snob. It just I it doesn't put me in a good mood unless it's sunny out and it's beautiful weather and I'm about to do some drinking or going down to the beach or doing something like that. Otherwise, I don't ever want to hear it.
1: Well, that might be the Yankees uh, soundtrack on the Yankees soundtrack because they are in the sun, they are in the fun, they are in spring training, and Judge and Stanton have new workouts. Finally.
6: Oh, yeah, so and, yeah, and and during, during batting practice, too, like in college, like yeah, give me, give me a bunch of country music, that's what it's good for bP okay, but yeah, and they got new workouts, hopefully, <laughs> so they could hopefully not get injured
1: injured so so here's the deal if, if you if you missed it, maybe you missed it, Eric Cressy, who's the Yankees director of player health and performance, he's like been the guy, right, He was on with Meredith on uh, uh, Meredith Marakovich on the Yetz network, and he said Aaron judge. And Giancarlo Stanton have dramatically altered, dramatically was the word he used, their winter workout programs in hopes of remaining on the field throughout the upcoming season. Amazing, right? I thought of this. I was sitting there. The definition of crazy is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. It's about time, and I could not be any more excited that they finally understand that they don't need to look like linebackers. And Cressy said, in both cases, they've lifted less than they have in the past. Aaron in particular, has really taken a heavy interest in yoga or in a lot of yoga, was the quote. And I'm gonna just do a sidebar here. Yeah, Aaron judge is looking for a payday, isn't he? okay? So let's go back to what Cressy said. We have to be mindful of the stresses on on guys who are six foot, six foot seven, six foot eight. big dudes who are standing around for long periods of time in cleats. Those things are just that normal people don't encounter, okay? So Judge, Boyd, Ford, among other players, are doing a bunch of yoga. I love that for them. The muscles won't be so tightly wound, potentially less strings, less pulls. Okay, right? My experience with yoga, I don't know if you've ever done it, Pat. I am not a fan of yoga. I don't like it. It's boring to me, slow. The best part is at the end when you just lay there. That is the best part about yoga for me. My friend got me to go. I didn't even utilize all of the the things that we paid for, all the the sessions that we paid for. She did, I didn't.
6: Just I don't like it. I like it. <sighs> I, I you know, I don't I don't really do it that much, but when I do it, it's a good workout. You sweat your ass off and it's that like slow do. methodical but I really feel like, you know, people who do yoga and they're like, it teaches you discipline. Like, it kind of does. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like, I feel mentally stronger after a session of yoga. I, I I like it, but I don't do it enough. So, I mean, you know, I'm just chatting.
1: I feel mentally stronger after lifting stuff and, and bouncing basketballs. Pick things up and put them down. <laughs> and bouncing basketballs and, like, running around and kicking field goals, you know.
6: It's definitely good to stay flexible and limber, which as baseball players, they should be. And and
1: they haven't been. So hopefully, fingers crossed, we will see them on the field more often um, with this with this new program. We'll see. I, I, I want to venture to bet yes, but that's just me. Okay, let's go uh, in the order that you guys called, of course. Let's go Vernon in Manhattan. Vernon, what's up? Hey, how you doing?
8: I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good. Next time your dad says number seven, of Mickey Mantle, say Jose
1: Reyes. Uh-huh. No, I, I, it, Vernon, I can't get behind Jose Reyes with the trouble he got into <laughs> off the field. Yeah,
8: yeah, I know. Um, so Mickey Mantle actually wore number six before he wore number seven. That, I don't know if he knew that. Yeah,
1: we had. I think, was it you that asked me? Somebody asked me that here. It was you. Uh, well, you it was, it you was you. me. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, I knew that.
8: <laughs> okay. So today I'm calling you because you know I'm a full-season Ticket holder with the Mets mm-hmm. for a long time, mm-hmm. and I know you were talking about last week that you would like to go to the games. Um, I'm only a single paid uh, uh, t- season ticket holder, so if you win the ticket, you're going by yourself, <laughs> unless you can get a friend to go with you. Okay? Okay. So here's the tickets that I will give to you uh, for actually doing a quiz. If you get these. Quiz first quiz cor- uh, correct, you win. But if you do not get it correct, uh-huh. the second one I'm gonna bring forth a challenge to you. Okay. Okay,
1: Vernon, Usually, the, usually the station is the one giving out tickets to the to the callers, not the callers but, giving out tickets to the hosts. Yeah, but remember,
8: <laughs> you said last week if someone can get you tickets, I know I did. Yeah, so did. Uh, you're a cool person. So. I'm willing to give up some of my tickets. So Uh, where are
9: the tickets. I might
1: have to take my my dad, or or maybe Pat will want to come
8: for the the (laughs) WFAN outing. Yeah, but you see, they have to
1: have the uh, full-season
8: ticket. And Uh, the ticket can easily tell because the ticket has the baseball players on it. Right. And the the governor said the stadiums have to bring in 10%. Right. And if you don't have the full-season ticket holder, there's a chance you might not get in. Oh, wow. So so that's the reason why I'm telling you this. That's crazy. That you have to have be a, become a full-season ticket holder, and they will honor those tickets first. Mm-hmm. You're guaranteed to get in. As long as you do the pandemic um, paper you bring in, you're allowed to come in. Hmm. Also, during the weekends, if you're a full-season ticket holder, you get to go in before they open up the gate for anyone so you'll be able to go in and see the Mets practice because time the gate is open, the Mets are off the field yep. and the other team is practicing. Yep. So just,
1: <laughs> you know what, Vernon? That's, that's a shame, too, because I wish that, you, you know, get the kids involved. They want to see the home team. They don't want to see the away team batting, you know? That's something I, I have bone to pick with, with teams that do that.
8: Yeah. I don't like a, lot it. Of the, a lot of times they bother the players.
1: They want autographs. Well, so what? That's that's part of it, right? Have you ever met a baseball player and you, and you become a fan of that player or that team? You know, that's where it all starts. It's just a shame that they don't do that. And I know yeah, it's a big business true. and and whatever, but uh, you know, they should be. They should be out there. You know, obviously with COVID protocols and everything, but they should be. They should be meeting the fans. They should be signing those autographs. That's how
0: I feel. Yeah, I
8: feel the same way also. The other thing is, you gotta be careful if you buy the t- buy tickets online. And you can't get in. You just wasted your money. So they need to call the Mets Tickets Office to find out, you know, if I bought a ticket, am I guaranteed to be coming to the game wow. that day? So there's a lot of things that they're looking at, and because of that 10% coming in,
1: you might not make it in. So, the problem him, is that they should have just not even sold the tickets, uh, you know. Because like, we have tickets for my dad's birthday. Are we going to get right. to go? Well, we don't know. We got four tickets.
8: Yeah, that's true. But if you win one <laughs> if you win these tickets, some of these tickets, you're guaranteed to go in. But you're
1: you dare have to go in by himself. All right, let's do it. What's the question?
8: Okay. Before I get to the question, these are the tickets you can win. Combine together as a packet. You win the April the eighth home opener game. You will win the September tenth, eleventh and twelfth, the Mets versus the Yankees at City Field. You will win the last home game at City Field, and I'll even throw in the Dodgers tickets. Are you ready?
1: This is, this is huge. This is like a grand prize I'm about to try to win.
8: Yes, don't worry. I've been
1: to so many match games, so sometimes I rest at home.
8: But since you want to come and see this new team, it'll be an honor. Let's so here it. we go. And please, no Googling. This is Black History Month. Jackie Robinson has played five different sports in his life. Name the five different sports.
1: All right, Pat's looking at me. I am not Googling. I have my hands over my mouth right now. Okay. Baseball is one, clearly, obviously. One. Um, I believe I read one time. What Didn't he play football? Two. Yeah, I think I, think I read that once. Uh, you'd have to think probably uh, tra- was track and field one of them? Three. Yeah, okay. Um, got two left. Now, okay, so if I say basketball, does that mean you had to have played on, on a team? Okay, you got one four. more left. Oh, man. We're talking real sports, right? Uh, as a baseball player, you want to play a lot of ping pong, Jorge Posada did, but that's not a sport. Um, I want to say tennis. That's popping into my mind, but. You won the tickets. No you way. won the ticket. No, Pat, tell him I didn't Google it, Pat. Tell him. There was if no you Google You won yet. the tickets. Yes, he played
8: tennis after school, amateur tennis, and he won some tournaments. Congratulations. You won the tickets. Now, you have to put me on hold
1: so I can give the person <laughs> my email address. Yeah, Pat will take you? your email. Yes. And I'll, I'll send you the tickets. Vernon, you are, you're the best, man. We have we have the best <laughs> listeners here. Bernie, <laughs> the best. Pat, I don't know how to how to do that. Do I just press hold for him then? He did it. Okay. Wow. I I just said to Pat, I impressed myself there. I did not Google it. I promise you, I did not. He was watching me do it. Actually, he said, "Do you need help?" And I was like, "No." So, wow. Because I just think that, like, I I know I read that he played football. I knew that baseball, obviously. I figured track and field because to work on sprint work, right? And I figured. Tennis to work on hand-eye coordination. I just figured basketball because hasn't everybody played basketball in their in their lives? Well, that's funny. Wow, let's do it. Wow. Okay. Wow. Okay. That was my favorite caller. I think I've like ever had. I impressed myself. Okay, Tony in Providence. You're on the fan. Congratulations,
10: well, you're a winner. You, thank you. I'm the fan. <laughs> All right. Right. I'm very happy for you, you know? Um I haven't been to the Yankee Stadium, the new one. I have not been yet. As a Yankee fan, I used to have season tickets. On a Saturday, I used to go up at yeah. the old stadium. Um, so I'm dying, I'm dying to get there and I want to either go to Mets game or a Yankee game. But we're uh, uh, good to go. And, yeah, I, that's one thing on my list, to go to a game. But I knew in the first year of the Yankee Stadium, then, you know, tickets would be so high. And there, there was a lot of interest. So, but I do want to go to Yankee Stadium and see a Mets game too. Um, yeah. But, but the old stadium, got a lot of memories. And I know. I got tickets right when A-Rod but right before you got signed, and I used to go on these always see the Red Sox We get some great games. And I always say, Walk one T's because he always used to kill us, you know. David Ortiz would always kill the Yankees, you know. He said, always welcome because he's so powerful because right. there's a lot of home runs there. Right? But that was the best, to be there at the Orleans Stadium, but I do want to go to New. Mm-hmm. So congratulations. And I see your points about Gardner. Um, but I, I think it's more of an insurance policy, uh, just in case. But, yes, Fraze is going to be the guy. Mm-hmm. I think maybe he gives him as a D.H. or just as a a bench person just in case, you know. I think it's more of an insurance policy. I know.
1: I, I just wish that they put forth the money in 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 a starting pitcher, like like Odorizi, Last I checked, Odorizzi's still out there. Why not?
10: You know? Right. right. But I see your point in pitching. Um, maybe with a caller, um, we're going to miss that pitcher, and pitching is going to be the key for the Yankees. So.
1: Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm kind of surprised about Tanaka, to be honest. Why did they wouldn't have brought him back?
10: Right. I'm really surprised. I agree with you on that. And uh, the carousel continues in the NFL, um, the quarterback. Yep. I know is that a good, good spot for him, the coach? Is that going to be good? And uh, I don't know cause I'm, where this is going. Right? Uh, is that a good move for him to go there from the Eagles? Uh,
1: Wentz, yeah. And Tony, thanks for the call there. Uh, Wentz, I, I think I just voted in, in, in Vince Quinn's poll. Um, and he said, "Will Wentz succeed in Indianapolis?" And I voted yes, and it was like ninety percent of people voted yes. So Vince Quinn, shout out to you on CBS Sports Network. He's right next door. Um, yeah, I think it's just going to be a really good situation. It's a player like that needed a change of scenery. Although I don't like him forcing his way out, I don't. I'm not a fan of that. I don't care who it is, um, but it ha- you know it happens. And so uh, I think it's going to be a good situation for him. I think he's he's hell bent on on to prove himself. And I think that's that only makes you a better player, um, and and just getting back quickly to Tanaka, you know, obviously it was the money thing that that they he would have put the Yankees over the luxury tax, and that means they could not have brought back Gardner and you know made uh, you know uh, would they sign Wilson right? Yeah, and they couldn't have made that move either. So um, that is you know that that's the reason why. I mean, so I bu-
0: Danielle. <laughs>
1: And back to the 3 o'clock hour here on McCartan after midnight on the fan. In case you missed it, I, C, Y, M, I, whatever. I am a, a winner. <laughs> Vernon, uh, Vernon is graciously, if I got a guess the five sports that Jackie Robinson played, which I did not Google, I have a witness here that it did not, you know, can vouch for me that I did not Google it. What five sports did Jackie Robinson play? I named five of them. I won the tickets. So that's not normally how this works around here. I don't know if this is even allowed. Can I accept tickets from a listener? Why not, right?
6: Well, I guess we're going to find out.
1: (laughs) Yeah, we will find out for sure. Uh, But, yeah, that's uh, probably the best call I ever got. I feel very proud of myself this morning (laughs) at 3.05 in the morning. Um, Yeah. So there's that. So we've been talking a lot tonight about Yankees baseball, which of course that's that's wonderful. It's spring training time. It's time to um, I don't know, hope and hope for the snow to melt. It is hard getting in and out of driveways. I almost had to take a day off of work the other day because my neighbor, doesn't shovel his driveway and parks his car on the street. And I could not get out of my driveway, which is spick and span. You could probably imagine down to the blacktop. top. one once snowflake falls down, it, I'm out there with it. And so I could not get out of the car. I was re- I could not get out of the driveway. I was real mad. Um, but I eventually I got out. It was like flat like the, the camera was like, boop, boop. it was like flatlining it wasn't even beeping anymore.
6: So wh- why couldn't you get out of your driveway even though you...
1: Because when I was backing out, his car was parked. Because of the snow banks and everything, his car was parked. And that where I had to keep shimmying to get out of the driveway.
6: I was like parallel or pa- He was or- right behind you? Yeah. Yeah. What a jerk. I know. That's ridiculous. That, that is. That's unbelievable. I had a- I had a similar adventure tonight coming in here. I you know, As you know, I'm in Hoboken now. I had to park. So I park on the street and I was on a snow bank, which turned into an ice bank, and yesterday it was okay when I came in because the person behind me parked normally and, you know, actually gave me a foot, Uh, but the person who decided to park behind my car today gave me about an inch of space, and I uh, just literally could not move, and my wheels were just gliding on the ice, Uh, so I had to take my roommate's car, shovel, uh, shovel out some snow to get his wheels going, scrape all the solid ice off, and then get here. Sounds like this disaster, especially I'm if you're not with, expecting it. I'm done with the snow. If it snows another inch, I'm gonna snap. Well,
1: uh, it was nice knowing you because we're getting more snow on Monday. Three to one to three inches is the last I checked. I might <laughs> by my house anyway. I don't know about the city, you know, the, the urban areas of Hoboken, New Jersey, but uh definitely in my area. All right, let's go back to the phones, eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six in the order that you guys called. Tim in East Haven. You're up.
11: To quote the great Michael Buffer. Let's get ready to rumble, oh, Tim. We can't do that
1: because we get uh, we get in trouble with the. Uh...
11: Oh, you do. <laughs> I don't know. I if, apologize. If
1: we play the song, we do. But I don't know. Oh if you... no, no,
11: no! <laughs> <laughs> it's true, though. It's true. So, uh, Trevor Bauer yeah. and Noah Syndergaard running their mouths on Twitter, do you or like I it? would say their fingertips. Yeah, Twitter fingers. Do you like it? Lot of talk, trash talk. Finally, for once in my forty-nine years, <laughs> I am. Excited i excited for the pitchers to bat in baseball. I agree with you. I agree. Can we at least have that one game? Now, did you just win the, the Vernon tickets? I won for the, the Vernon Dodgers? tickets. Oh, in, in, maybe that's the game the I'm picking.
0: Game? Yeah.
11: Well, you might have a front row seat. Oh, baby.
1: <laughs> oh, baby. I didn't
11: even think of that. Congratulations by you on that, by the way. You know. I wanted to reiterate. Yeah. Oh, go ahead.
1: No, no, go ahead.
11: I wanted to reiterate, uh, Joe, uh, if Brett Garner sees 400 at-bats as a Red Sox fan, I say please. <laughs> oh. <laughs> please do. Yeah, no, it's not going to happen. Do. I'm going
1: to win that bet, too. I'm take the under on that.
11: <laughs> uh, that's uh, that's not even close. It, it, it's really just going to be Frazier, you know, Hicks, and judge that's your outfield no yeah. questions asked mm-hmm. and, I, and i'm a baseball fan so i i know that i mean come on but i wanted to give a huge shout out to my new york rangers for winning their second game in a row mm-hmm. good to see uh Alexei lafreniere tyrick D. pietro for his <laughs> points for a rookie
1: well, he's got two goals right He only he's got two goals
11: yeah, 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 it's been a slow start, but yeah. you know what? They're young. We just got to roll with it. We got to be patient, Ranger fans. Like I re- reiterate to Jet fans as yes. well: be patient. Yep. Um. One more shout out to the um Michelle Week, who took the high road from Rudy G's comments on a podcast.
0: Mm. Oh yeah, that was I saw that.
11: Pretty inappropriate. Yep. And uh, she took the high road, and, 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 and it was and a teaching moment. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's a shame that that garbage is still going on, you know. So, yeah. anyways, thank you for taking my call, Coach. Oh, Tim,
1: and uh, congratulations you. on your win. I <laughs> thank you. I thank you, Tim. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. <laughs> All right, we'll talk on Twitter. Definitely. <laughs> um, yeah, no, never going to be over 400, uh, 400 at-bats. But, again, that, that goes back to... And we're talking, I'm talking about the Syndergaard Bauer thing. Now, I think it's engaging. I think I like in the open, I likened it to, to a fight, you know, like boxers, fighters drumming up some interest. I think it has drawn, drawn up some interest on what day is today? Sunday, February 21st. I think people are excited. And maybe that will be the game I end up picking. Who knows? My mind did gravitate to the Yankees and Mets series, though. I can't do opening day, though, because. Uh, my day job, you know, prevents that. So let's go to Alan in Massapequa. You are on the fan.
12: Hey, Danielle. Yes. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Alan? <laughs> I'm Justin from Deer Park's dad. We spoke about a month ago.
1: Yeah, I remember. Yes.
12: Yeah, yeah well. It's I'm, a family I'm affair tonight. Back for Back for round two. Yeah, here I am.
1: All right, let's do it. What do you got for me tonight?
12: It's funny. A couple things came up, but number one. I'm calling about Brett Gartner, Mm -hmm. okay? And he's not what he was 14 years ago, but I'm a a huge proponent of him because I'm a surgeon, and for 30 years, I have expertise. But my heart attack three years ago forbids me from being in the OR Mm -hmm. as the, quote, attending surgeon. Malpractice will not cover me. Mm-hmm. So what I like to say, and the same, I'm a fire department surgeon. So the same thing goes if I ride the fire truck to rescue. Uh, if you're on the table and it's a question of whether your limbs can be salvaged or not,
0: mm-hmm.
12: you want me in that OR mm-hmm. looking and giving direction, and not the young hotshot who can do it all. And my point, and my my, my analogy with Brett Gardner is, mm-hmm. you know what, he's lost a few steps on his uh, speed. He's not the best in the outfield as he used to be. He's not gonna hit the way he used to be, but he was there, and there, there is something known as a presence. And in the fire department, 80% of FDNY was not on the job on 9-11. But my son remembers me leaving to go to New York City mm-hmm. with our nanny when he was four years old, sitting on the steps. And I left my, le- my notes for my children, because you know what? We weren't coming home, we were prepared. Not to come home. Right. So there's something known as a presence that performance cannot supersede.
1: Ellen, let me ask you a quick question. You yes. were once that young surgeon. You were I. I you're very confident. So I, and you were once that hotshot young surgeon, though.
12: Yes. <laughs> yes. 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 So and coach and coach. And captain in the fire department, right. the hotshot. Right. right.
1: So you were just as effective, if not more, than your attending, right? Is that, that's what it's called, right? Then your attending.
12: Uh, I'm sorry, say again.
1: I said you, you could have been just as effective, or if not more effective, than I think, what is it called, your attending surgeon, right?
12: Um, yeah I'm, I'm gonna answer that with both sides both sides of my mouth good question yeah yes or
1: because no. because what I'm saying is just you know just because someone is you know experiencing the job it doesn't mean like like here's here's my personal life example so I was coaching under this old man like old man county legend softball coach
10: right right the, the ultimate
11: the greatest
1: the, the greatest ever to ever do it right guess what the kids were coming to my practices because they weren't getting enough out of his, and we kept that secret. Me and a couple of kids, we kept that secret. So,
13: And oh, I, and I, I was in that.
1: my, my – my at that year, it was Lauren. Uh, she was a senior. They may
12: have that. I get it.
1: You know what I mean? So it was like my yep, my second year slowly. coaching. So, you know, when you got it, you got it. And who's to say that there's no one else in that Yankees clubhouse that, that doesn't have it? We don't know. Oh, I, we're not in it. No, no.
12: No oh, fair point, but I still think Gardner has enough. I don't think he's lost at all.
1: Well I yeah, I, I, I agree with you,
12: Alan. And and, and this, I still think he has enough yeah. left in the in the in the bank. Well, where in 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 a moment of whatever goes on in the locker room or in the press with Raceman and Musnick and Sherman and the whole nine yards when 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 the when the slack is coming in and the incoming is attacking there's still something to be said for the guy that's going to get you through it mm-hmm. you know I, I know you know what i mean
0: yeah
1: i know it's not, and, it's not a kyrie Irving situation where he's going to duck out and oh, let someone else deal with absolutely. it
12: absolutely yeah. i don't think i don't i don't think he's a waste of 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 a rust spot i think he has enough to offer in performance, forget experience. All right, experience. You could be Reggie Jackson from thirty-five <laughs> years ago, forty years ago. He has enough experience, and he can still do enough. Look what he did last year at the end of the year. He he was on fire at uh, the last couple weeks of uh, the season.
1: Right, and then the year before that, the the home run total. Yeah, absolutely.
14: Alan, I, yes, ju- I just no? got
1: to hit the break though in, in a few seconds here, so I'm going to let you go. But oh, then- go right
14: ahead. We'll
12: speak in a couple weeks. All right. Always, always a great call. Be good to my son. I okay. love you. Thank, thank right you, Daniel. Thanks, dear. Yeah, All of right, course, Alan. Bye.
1: Thanks and thanks for the call. Alan's always a great call, and I and I love to hear his perspective uh, on a lot of different things. And I love you know, bringing in like personal experience sometimes too, because we are not in that that locker room. But yes, I, I-, yeah, I see it. I see it, you know, you don't want like a Kyrie Irving kind of guy that's just going to duck out on the media after a tough game. And Brett Gardner will be that guy to stand up there. But Aaron Judge does too. Uh, And, and, you know, so there's – one day, one of these days, once this COVID stuff is all over, I want to get into the Yankees locker room and and see the dynamic. I've been in the Mets locker room, um, obviously, as a credentialed media, but not never the Yankees because of COVID happened. I, I was all set to go and then I wasn't. So here we go. Uh, but, um, yeah, so that's, I, you know what? I hope Brett Gardner proves me wrong. That's all. That's what I'm going to say. I hope he proves me wrong. I hope he's not a waste of a roster spot. That's all. All right, well, quick little short break here. We will be uh, coming back with your calls. Mets, Yankees, it's spring training time. Uh, it's exactly where I wanted to be tonight. So 877-337-6666. We have one line open, and it has your name on it. I'm Danielle McCartan on The Fan.
15: The Nets' West Coast road trip wraps up tonight against the Clippers. Game time is 8.05 with our coverage underway at 7.45. This is Chris Carino. I'll join you with Tim Capstraw for all the action exclusively on the fan. Store Radio, 1019 WFAN FM and streaming on your smart speaker, mobile device, laptop, and tablet at (laughs)
1: WFAN.com. it up everybody pat loves this song so i sent him last week the italian version of it uh, on my way out of here so (laughs) cuore testa it's called by the way but anyway so uh we're coming back i'm after midnight we have a big interview coming up um this is a a a I don't know. I'm I'm, I'm swinging for the fences here. Uh, we've got the first GM and the first head coach to ever join the program and that is going to be together in the same interview, the GM of the New York Liberty, that's Jonathan Kolb, and uh the, their head coach who is Walt Hopkins. They're two young guys, very exciting guys and you know, they they're, they're going to be transforming that team and that roster and they already have um in 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 addition with Sabrina Ionescu uh, so far for for up, this upcoming season. So, I hope you guys will stay tuned for that. Um, they are very um, intellectual guys, and it's it transcends just, uh, you know, women's basketball, you know, what, what, what we're going to be talking about. So um, they are uh, my first head coach and GM, so I hope you guys will tune in. That will be at 3.40, 3.40, so precisely in, like, uh, 17 minutes. So the, those of you guys on hold— Let's get to it. 877-337-6666. Understanding that if you are calling now, um, you'll probably have to wait till the end of the interview, okay, just so you know. Let's go. Uh, ben in Queens, give me your top two points here, Ben. Let's do it. All right. Uh, quick. Uh, let me fly through quick. Firstly, uh, the
16: talk of Mich- Michelle Lee reminded me of something. Best wishes to Jeanette Lee. All right. Uh, Jeanette Lee, uh, a famous pool billiards player, unfortunately was diagnosed with terminal cancer uh, last week. So uh, I got a chance to play her here in Queens about, I would say, around 97 when I, uh, I had a layover in military. Uh, one of the, my pool bars was holding an invitational, and I played her the first round, and I got swept seven zero. So, <laughs> so you know, uh, best wishes to her. One of the best pool shooters I've ever seen live, and I probably say she kicked my butt.
1: Uh, sounds sounds con- like
16: it. I'm just congr- kidding. <laughs> yeah. Congrats to Michaela Schifrin. Yeah. All right. She didn't get the gold for the the slalom today, but she she got the gold in the downhill. And she got the bronze today for that. So, you know, that uh, props to her. Um, Lake Tahoe, I expected this. I expected this, but what I liked the NHL did was they tried to play it out. But when it got to the middle of that second period, they were like, no, no, no. Let, chill. We, we can't go on. Too many players have fallen. This is potentially a safety hazard. Let's just... Let's just put a cork in it right now. We'll wait till it gets cooler. Yeah, exactly. We'll run Zamboni's over Mm -hmm. and try to smooth this out way. And then when uh, when it starts twilight and stuff like that, we we will knock this game out. And they did. Congratulations to Colorado. And again, the NHL, they got another one getting ready to go tomorrow, I believe.
1: Yep, tomorrow. They pushed it already to seven PM though. It exactly. was supposed to be. A there it goes. Yep.
16: They're already learning. Yep. Okay. But let it never be said that the NHL doesn't like to take chances and learn from their mistakes. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it was it was the right call, and and I'm glad that they didn't make everybody come back tomorrow for it because it would have uh, damaged the quality of the ice for the second game. So mm-hmm. they they did it right. They made the right call. Um, I don't. But I was watching it. I don't believe that they started the second period. They just when the end of the first period occurred, it was like a no, 45 no. minute intermission, wasn't it? Well, well, it
16: got what they tried a minute into it. Oh, they did and, okay. And then they they went no no we we we'll hold it because uh, essentially. Like, three-quarters of the people on the ice all tripped or fell. at the same time. Even the referee,
1: the official, he (laughs) tripped and fell. When that
16: happened, they were just like, yeah, no. Yeah, no, exactly. Uh, My quick St. John's point, tonight was a killer with DePaul. Back-to-back, or or two out of the last three— the Xavier game and the, and the DePaul game, those are the two losses that keep you out of the tournament. I'm mm-hmm. sorry, you, you guys needed to win that because, you know, now, now it's, oh, if we beat Villanova, I'm like, well, Villanova is playing for one seed if you beat Villanova. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> and finally, on the topic you have at hand. I would have kept Tanaka over keeping Gardner. I understand why they kept Gardner, mm-hmm. but when I said last week about the phone, call, when my phone call about getting DJ some offensive help in this lineup, I didn't mean bring Gardner back, yeah. folks. I love Gardner too. He's plucky. He he get, he leaves it all out in the field.
1: Great Yankee but, the whole but, thing.
16: But he a step slow, and the the the, the swing is two beats slow he doesn't catch up to fastballs now. He does not catch up to fastballs. I watched last year at at fastballs that normally he just pulls down the line that he was either fouling off or totally whiffing on. So, folks, Gardner's back, and he's been a great Yankee. Don't get me wrong. Alright? But I would have rather had Tanaka. I would have rather had Tanaka. I just to bolster this pitching staff, especially after what we've seen Herman doing,
0: yeah.
1: And, and Ben, thanks for calling. Appreciate it always. And and it, it's not. It was not a matter of keeping Tanaka or Gardner, because Tanaka obviously would have cost probably three times what Gardner would have cost. But it, it would have been. It would have had to be through some maneuvering. But um, I think Tanaka would have been just what the Yankees needed. With especially what you just said, the Herman thing. Uh, you got. Kluber, who is a question mark, although I think he's going to be fine. Him, I have a lot of trust in. I think he's going to be fine. Tyone, we'll wait and see, but he's their number three starter, and he's had two Tommy John surgeries. I mean, that's a really big question mark, right? So, Garrett Cole, you know, Corey Kluber came out, what was it, the other day or today even or yesterday, and he said, I don't want it to be, I'm paraphrasing here, but I don't want it to be Garrett Cole and the rest of the Yankee starters. Good. I like that. But, you look at you look at the Yankees' starting pitching rotation, and you look at the Mets. Whose rotation would you rather have deep into a postseason? I'm picking the Mets. It's just it's factual. Just look at the facts, right? No feelings, just facts. All right, let's go in the order that you guys call. Pete in Woodbury, you're on the fan. Hey, how you doing? Hey, Pete. If you could just turn down the radio in the background in a little bit, I'm getting some feedback here. Radio's off. Okay, good. We got it. Must have been the call.
9: I then. It was me, uh, sneezing. Sorry. It's okay. Um. So yeah. So, all right. So you had mentioned something earlier about where people are working. I actually just got out of work. Fourteen hour shift of a, a restaurant shift. Uh, weird night, long night. So that's cool. Me. I love uh, hearing that. The, I love that. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, things are getting back in order here on Ireland Island a so little bit.
1: Very good.
9: A little bit. Um. But as for uh, the Yankees, I'm glad you just said what you said because it's not all or nothing. It's not Tanaka or Garner. Right. Um, And moreover, it's not. um, I, I too, agree. Kluver, I have more trust with him Mm -hmm. that he'll be solid. Tyone, he's more of a question mark. Major. (laughs) But now going forward with the rotation, it. All right. So we have to. We'll win games with the roster we have, I think, uh, uh, Yankee fans. Um. Yeah. I mean regardless, the Yankees the Yankees
1: are gonna go deep into, into the postseason, right. regardless, right? right. We, we have, know that. We
9: have the trade, right. but, we, but have we've the, seen, we have the trade deadline. For, right.
1: But we've seen the, the pitching has failed the Yankees in the time times time, that they needed yes. it most. Right. So that's what I'm so concerned have, about.
9: As am I, of course. And so Severino's coming back well, off of big injuries. Another um, question mark, right? Of course, Haman, on, question mark. Now you have Debbie Garcia, who looked good.
13: Yeah. He could
9: be, you know, a four, three, four, maybe five, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. Let's call it four. Jordan Montgomery could be a five, I think, on a lot of rotations. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now we're talking about Kluber, Cole. Um, Tyone. Tyone. Severino. Or, when he comes and back. or. Yeah. yeah. So I, I don't think it's as bad as people think. I am surprised that Tanaka left. I thought we should have given him the twelve, the fifteen, thirteen million, I whatever agree. it would have been. Agreed. Of course. Uh-huh. I, very surprised. Um garner for four million, a little surprised. I thought he was more in the to maybe yeah. two five max mil- you know, that eh. Agreed. Uh so yeah, I mean, I guess we're kind of on the same page. Uh-huh. Um you have some interesting goals, by the way. At <laughs> nighttime, I know well, uh, I love guys. Welcome to the yeah, overnight Nights here, Pete. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Um, but no, I, I guess I would leave on this point with the Yankees. Um, what, what's your point of contention with them? What, what would you have liked for them to have done differently this offseason? Because yeah. um, I, I, could, I could say five, six things, but within reason, right. I think right. they're, they're stacked up to do it again and, you know the the roster that they had last year, and let's just try again. I mean, with, with the exception of Tanaka, we got Wilson, we got Odette,
0: mm-hmm.
9: um, yeah, and we lost Eno who wasn't doing it. But uh, mm-hmm. you know, I'll, I'll throw these guys out. As in the AL, the Dodgers, I think, are uh, scary, but um, I think we're as good as anyone in the AL. So, um. and by the way, I, I I do want to ask you one question because mm-hmm. I kind of looked you up a little. How old are you? <laughs>
1: Why is that relevant?
9: No, because I think you're you're young. I I'm on the younger side and I think you have a nice career going. I, oh, I Like your take 32. And I think I think you could be with the fan for a while. It's yeah, cool well, to hear another female voice. So.
1: I appreciate that. 32 um, years old.
9: And, uh, <laughs> oh, so yeah, 2 years. Uh my my uh junior. So yeah, no, I think you could be with the fan for a while. So it's it's really cool to hear another reasonable female voice. I, I I wish you a long career with the fan, oh, if Pete, that's what thanks. you want.
1: Thanks, Pete. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you. Have so, a good- oh, sorry. Sorry. I didn't mean to do that. But his question was, which move um, do you wish that the Yankees could have made and which move are, I guess, you're most excited about? Uh, we talked about it. What, what they could have done was Tanaka. That is what they could have done, right? Um, what I'm most excited about is Darren O'Day. You said it right at the end. Uh, then we can get more into this. But I just like the way that they've constructed or tried to construct as best they could, right? This offseason with the the um the the slot, the arm slots and, and the different looks that they can throw at a batter. Like Darren O'Day with the, you know, the sidearm, you know, the whole thing, right? And then so imagine you're a batter. You face Darren O'Day, okay, then you have Zach Britton coming up in what, the the eighth inning or so, seventh, eighth inning, lives in the bottom of the zone. And then you got a this Chapman who's going to blow it by you with, with smoke coming off the ball. I mean, I think that's um, – we could talk about it, but it's – Darren O'Day used the word deception. That's, that's what I'm most intrigued to see, how that's going to work out. Okay, uh, Eric in Ronkonkoma, you are on the fan.
17: Hey, Daniel. Good morning. How are
1: you? Good, Eric. How are you?
17: Good, good. i tell you, you, you know, first of all, I'm, I'm, I'm proud of myself too, because I was rattling off those answers as, uh, you know, with, uh, for Vernon because I, I knew about the track and field. And I, the only reason I knew about the tennis was because I play, mm-hmm. and and I had I had read that uh, he had played also.
5: So uh, that I'm was like, oh hell,
17: yeah, look at that! Yeah. That's the question I knew because usually Vernon's questions, you know, they're hard. Not even close, but yeah, uh, you know, but, but, uh, yeah, but but yeah, but I'll tell you, you're on fire this month. I mean, that uh, you know, one of these days I'm, I'm going to. Wait for your winning lottery. Uh, you know, <laughs> know, but, uh, yeah.
0: Oh my god!
1: But, <laughs> I, I can't I imagine that. No, but the the, uh, right. the the tennis I just figured out because it it would go with baseball hand eye coordination, yeah. and then I figured the track too because yeah. I love when my players run track. You know, so that's what I figured. Right, I
0: right.
17: Well, and he and he's and he's so fast to begin with. Anyway, I mean that's what uh, you know. He he was just a natural. Uh, uh, I, I don't remember if he was. Uh, um cross country or not. But uh mm-hmm. yeah, I mean I do remember you as uh uh you know with the truck. Anyway. Yeah. Um but uh yeah and, and just real quick I could relate to your thing with the driveways on there because you know, doing the newspapers that I was telling <laughs> Pat the one thing that drives me crazy is, is people who <laughs> told trouble the driveways and you gotta you know the work your way around it. But yeah, it's annoying. Anyway. Yeah. I know. Um so uh, okay, so and as far as uh, Taiwan Walker now, you know, I was reading up on him a little bit, so I'm actually kind of glad with that move. But I'm curious, you know, I mean, looking at the rotation now, because you have, you know, obviously you got got DeGrom, Carrasco, you know, Stroman, I, I have my questions about him because, you know, so far all I've heard is is his mouth as opposed to seeing any actual production out of him. So mm-hmm. he's got to prove something to me. Yeah. But, uh, you know, uh, but I, I like Peterson. Um. You know, in the rotation, based on what I've seen so far, and admittedly, I don't know enough about Lucchese to know, you know, where he fits into the equation. Mm -hmm. So, you know, maybe you could help me out on that one. So, uh, you know, if he, if he, you know, maybe him and Peterson switch off every fifth day, or, you know, if he's more of a long, long guy, or I don't know, I don't know how uh, much about himself. But, uh, but yeah, I can understand why you would lean more towards the the Mets rotation as opposed to the Yankees just based on, you know, uh, visuals and and everything.
1: Yeah. And, and Eric, thanks for the call. Always a good call, Eric. You know, just the eye test too. You're looking at it. You're looking at, you know, just factually speaking, like the injury history of these guys. I mean, so that's why I'm picking the Mets rotation over the Yankees rotation right now at this point in time, right now. Um, Stroman, I'm intrigued by Stroman because, like I keep saying, he, he, he's going to, or in practice, in the videos that he posts, he it looks like he's going to be toying, again, deception with hitters' timings and with his, his, uh, his delivery, um, changing it up, manipulating the delivery, which I, I think is genius if it works. So um, I would love to see that. Uh, let's go quickly to Mick in Rocky Point. You're on the fan.
18: Hey, Danielle. How you doing?
1: I'm good. How are you?
18: All right. Danielle, who can we call or write to or pick it? Uh, to get you more hours, Ooh. you have enough fans that we should be able to to complain and get you more hours.
1: Ah, uh, I mean, I guess it would be Mark Turnoff would be would be the guy.
18: And what we call the station, right to the station.
1: I would guess right to it. Or, yeah.
18: Or go to his house, find out where <laughs> it is, and pick it, it Everybody on tonight. Listen, <laughs> all, of, everybody, let's do it. Let's let's get you some more hours. <laughs> this is tough waking up at two. Thanks. I know. Still tell me,
1: tell me about it. I know. Teaching during the week and doing this.
18: I would like to have it continued, uh, you know, the night instead of going to sleep at six so I can get up at two, you know? I
1: got you. I know. But we, we got to
18: get you more hours. I mean, we really do. I appreciate You're it. Good Mick. and fresh. And uh, we just have to do it. And I hope everybody listening that we will write a letter to WFAN under his name or call or, or be some sort of pain in the butt. <laughs>
1: Mick, anyway, I, I appreciate I, that. Thank you very much.
18: I'll let you get to the next caller. But anyway, I just, you know, I hope people are listening and will do this because you need more hours. You really do. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for making our lives more enjoyable by listening to you.
1: Oh, oh, that's so nice. Mick, do you, have a, do you have a Yankee point? Do you want to make it real quick before the interview?
18: Uh, what's that? I'm sorry.
1: Do you have a Yankee point? Do you want to make the
18: point? Not really. A gardener. I I wasn't happy about that. You know, yeah. um, I thought it was a lot of money, four mil. I, we really don't need another outfielder. But I'm not a Yankee fan. I'm a Dodger fan, so. Oh, boy. So you're <laughs> happy
1: with the move, then? What do you mean?
18: Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: <laughs> well, they, you know what? I think the Dodgers might have the best... Ro- oh, no, the Dodgers have the best rotation in baseball. That's what I think.
18: Yeah, we didn't even need this new guy. I know. 40 million bucks, that's like... Good luck with him. Oh, uh, you know, I'm... Too much money
1: yep good luck with him
18: <laughs> thanks <laughs> and, and i don't like his attitude i listened to his i'm from los angeles mm-hmm. originally so i listened to all his you know interviews after he was signed mm-hmm. you know and he, he seems kind of pompous to me
1: yeah well if they could back it up then then
18: it's okay oh, true. Best,
1: right
0: true.
1: i like true. those kind of people all right Mac, <laughs> thanks for the call and thanks for the push and, and thanks uh, for the help
18: okay good luck thank good you luck. and we're going to get you more hours somehow
1: We'll do it. Let's do it.
18: Okay, let's do it. <laughs> thanks, Mick. Everybody listening, please, please.
0: <laughs>
1: All right. Thanks, Mick. I appreciate it.
18: Take care, Daniel. Bye-bye.
1: Bye. So we are uh, about to head into, uh, I think, going to be a very interesting conversation with the GM of the New York Liberty, Jonathan Kolb, and the head coach of the New York Liberty, Walt Hopkins. Um, if you're a basketball fan, stick around. It is not, you know, you'll see. You'll see. Trust me on this. I would never steer you astray, you guys, okay? I'm Daniel McCartan on The Fan. Danielle McCartan!
0: Sports Radio, 101.9 FM. The Fan! And Sports Radio 66. WFAN!
1: I'm honored to be joined by the Brain Trust of the New York Live Free, General Manager Jonathan Kolb, Head Coach Walt Hopkins. Welcome to the show. I appreciate you guys taking the time out to join me. No, thank Thanks you. For having thank us. you so much. It's been an extremely active offseason for you guys. One, you were well positioned to be in following the 2 and 20 seasons. So I'll start with you, Jonathan. I've never heard any GM put it like this, and I loved how you put it, actually, when you said, we've been deep diving to doing an autopsy of our season, which I love that. But once you step back from that proverbial table and you took the scrubs off, what did you find?
13: I uh, well said. I was nervous when you're leading into it. I'm like, oh my gosh, what did I say? Walt and I definitely dug really deep on everything that was the 2020 season. Um, I think you have to. I mean, there's things that actually worked and there's things that didn't work. And so when you're going into an off season with the opportunity that you mentioned, which is, hey, we might be in a position to add talent here. Are we sure that these are the players we want to add? We need to know how they're going to change what we were doing last year. That's what we looked at. And if you look at the moves we made, um, I think we upgraded in a major way defensively. I think we brought in perimeter defender and Nigel Laney that can really get into people. She's really switchable. Um, she has a hunger and a love for that side of the ball. Natasha Howard, I mean, defensive player of the year and somebody that can obviously fill a lot of gaps that existed last year. And then Sammy Whitcomb. I mean, I think people really talk about her three ball, but she puts a lot of effort in on the defensive side. We're really excited about that and where we ended up, you know, last week.
1: So the philosophy seems to be, is it is it more defensive-centric this time around?
13: No, I think it's it's everything, right? But we're looking at what we're adding. I think a lot of people like to talk about the five-out, and they like to talk about the three-point attempts, and, and for good reason. We understand that, but in 2019, we were last in defensive rating the entire league. Last year, we upgraded to the best of the non-playoff teams, if you will, and now we need to take another step, right? And so when we look at that, we felt that we're in position to strike there. Then also for roster construction, I think defensively is a natural progression for us to upgrade. Offensively, I think anytime we're able to reintroduce Sabrina to the mix, we're going to upgrade that side of the ball as well. So we're really trying to get better at all facets.
1: You guys have pressed fast forward on this, this rebuild. You added three-time champion, like we mentioned, 2019 Defensive Player of the Year, Natasha Howard. Jonathan, you said she fits us like a glove. Mm-hmm. Walt, you've worked with her in Minnesota. How does she fit this team like the gloves?
2: I think in a lot of ways. I mean, anytime you hear that phrase, it, it probably means that she's a, a fit kind of all around. And I can say that from a, an offensive standpoint, you know, having somebody who's really elite as a roller, that's something that Sabrina really excelled with in college. And, and we knew that we needed an elite roller who could also upgrade us defensively. And you know, we have a, a tremendous defensive player in Kia Stokes right now. And so to add somebody else who really can impact the game on the offensive end with not just roll and finish, but also, you know, you can you can put her in isolations, so you can give her the ball on the block, she can get out and transition on a rebound and push it. But I think the combination of assets that she has is really rare. I mean, she's Tosh is one of one. When you look around the league at a player who can guard five positions, she can literally in a pinch probably play five positions. You know, it's not ideal probably to have her at the point, but she can bring the ball up, you know, if she needs to against a big defender. The way that she approaches the craft, it's really fun to be around. You know, Tosh shows up every day and she has a smile on her face and she just works. She's not going to talk a lot. She's not going to rah-rah and try to get people pumped up. That's not the way she leads. She just leads by going out and busting her ass every day. think it's really important that you have complementary leadership styles. And so you you need to have players who do it in different ways. And you don't want to get three leaders who all try to lead the same way and they step on each other's toes, right? So that's why that combination is really special, you know, and to have a player who's smacking her prime with a combination of experience and still being young enough to be able to do this for a long time going forward. I mean, the way Tosh is built and the way she plays, she's not going to be a a three-year story. Tosh can play for a long time. And so yeah. we got somebody who can really stay with us, you know, throughout the entire course of this, this rebuild.
1: We're talking with general manager, John, Jonathan Kolb and head coach, Walt Hopkins from the New York Liberty here on the fan. You know, it's something that's striking to me. It just kind of popped into my mind. You guys really seem to be in sync, really on the same page. But what also sticks out to me is you guys are both young guys. So whoever wants to take the question, but basically what I'm asking is. How much do analytics kind of play into what you guys are building or trying to construct?
13: I yeah, I can start on that. And then, Wall, if you want to come, come over the back. But uh, for me, it plays a major role, but I think it's somewhat overblown. It's, it's a tool that we use, right? And so use a myriad of things. I mean, really the eye test, right? And then you bring in the analytics to back that up or to dispute that and really get into a conversation. I think for us, that's the biggest thing is really having in-depth combos on these players and who we like and who we don't like and why and, and really being constructive that way. But beyond analytics for us, it's really about getting to know the people and, and the people that we're bringing into this organization, player staff, or otherwise. And that's a major component to what we do. Analytically, it's funny. When I started at the league office in 2014, I mean, it was hard to find WNBA stats. Like it was so difficult finding college stats. It, it's really amazing how far the game has come on that side of things in, in a relatively short amount of time, but we still got a long way to go. You know, you talk about things like second spectrum data on the NBA side and player tracking. I mean, you can tell how many miles a player runs in a game. We're not there yet on our side. Um, So we definitely use it as a tool, but just one of many tools in a kit, if you will. That's a really good way to say it. I think that the amount of things that go into
2: roster construction, into players fitting a system, into timelines of the way that players match the way that we're building and you know the the times that people are going to hit their peaks you know if you have a roster of 12 fantastic players that fit you but every one of them thinks that they're a starter level player that's something that can affect the culture right and so you you want to have a really nice mix and blend of older and younger players players who some players you know prefer not to start some players really need to start and I think that it's, it's more than just, yes, the numbers are, are important. It's great that we're bringing in, you know, multiple 40% three-point shooters, um, obviously, in a system that, you know, we really rely on spreading the floor. You know, there's, there's facets to the game that we've really spent some time diving into this offseason, that it's going to be really fun to kind of see the, the end result of what we've looked at, where there's going to be some tweaking of what we're doing. And the important thing to us was we needed to have a big enough body of data on both our offensive and defensive systems to be able to analyze okay what works what doesn't why and is right. it personnel based is it the WNBA is different than the nba different than the college game it didn't behoove us to make a bunch of changes in the middle of the season last year because we knew kind of where we were at we knew where we were in the rebuild at the very beginning and so we made a conscious decision to sit right. down and you know let's let's see how this stuff works and let's pick it apart after the season but let's not go and try six different things right now and not know how any of it actually works, if that all makes sense.
1: Yeah, yeah, right. Um, and of course, you know, being in, in the wobble down there in, in Florida, it's like, uh, Jonathan, I actually asked you this on a Zoom call last summer, and I said to you, I was like, that's, I feel such an advantage for you to be there, to be able to be, have the eye test right there in front of you. You don't have to travel across the country. You're not watching film. You're literally watching the players right then and there. So I guess, I mean, maybe talk to about that, having that as an advantage and kind of what you saw in the players that you acquired.
13: Yeah. No, it's a great question. I've read, I don't know what outlet said this, but they said 2020 was in many ways a lost season for the Liberty. And and I really couldn't disagree with that more. It was such a value add for us to be able to be quite frankly, unconventional. I mean, we took seven rookies over there and, you know, when we had, when Becca Allen opted out, and we were looking at the landscape of who to sign, we signed another rookie and we did that because we really looked at the, that season as a development opportunity Due to the uncertainty of COVID and what was going on, we were being required by the league to, to cut down and whittle down our roster before even seeing these players we just drafted in person. And when you're going to take on a rebuild effort, uh, you you have to know what you have before you let go of it, right? So, with ownership's blessing, we went to Bradenton with seven rookies in tow, and what we found is we think we hit on a lot of draft picks last year. Credit to our our staff, and we're really excited about the prospects of those players going forward. What we got to see was the the beginning of of a group coming together. And somebody asked me in a media call last year, "What do I hope the twenty twenty season?" you know, was going to become, and I said, it's going to be the foundation for what we're building. And I really do think we achieved that. And to your point earlier on this talk, you know, we're fast forwarding a little bit, but we're still keeping the majority of those players from last season in terms of, of the youth. And so now we're going to be able to put those players in really competitive basketball games.
1: When you look at the average age of your roster, you're tied with the uh, the Dallas Wings, I believe it is, for, for 24 years old is your average age on your roster. So well, coaching a team With, you know, an average age of 24, what, I mean, what is your mission statement for them kind of moving forward?
2: Yeah, I I think it's a, it's a really nice mix. Like I said, and I think that understanding, you know, Jonathan alluded to this earlier, but the, the lack of practice time was particularly difficult for us having a young group, really being able to add anything, um, and get good at it was difficult. It was really, really difficult to add a new play, to add tweaks to the defense. It was like, you know, there were times where the teams were so beat up so tired you know we had injuries and then there was a little succession of them at one point and we really had to be careful and so it was like we had to make all of these decisions and I understand from the outside it's like you know make changes blah 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 but we had to protect our athletes too and that was something we said going into that season that we were going to look out for them from the very start so understanding now that that yes it's a a young roster in as a whole but the pieces, you know, when you look at just Sammy, Beck, Tosh, Benajah, that's four players who have been in this league and played a lot of WNBA games. They've played for, you know, different coaching staffs in different styles. They really, really understand the WNBA game. And obviously someone of Sabrina's caliber is, you know, she's, she's a young vet, you know, even in her really essentially her rookie year, Sabrina's she's, she's different. She's still having Kia Stokes around and having the, the rest of the crew kind of in their second year. Um, and really pushing forward in a way that they now know kind of what we did last year intimately. So now we can add to it, you know, we can have some fun and we're going to have that practice time to make those tweaks. So, you know, in terms of mission statement, I really think it's going to be a matter of it's, it's still about day to day. It's about, let's see what we can do on a day-to-day basis, stay together in terms of building a system, building a culture, treating one another the way that that matters to us and keep our eyes on that, you know, and then the the wins are a byproduct. Of fully buying into the day to day process, and that's the thing that I, I know it's a buzzword right now—the you know trust the process stuff—but I, I, it's something I've lived my life by. It's you know it's something I've I've had a lot of success with myself. And as soon as I start worrying about if I win or I lose or I get an A versus I get a C on a on a test or a paper, it's like I just lose my focus instead of just. Write the paper, plan for the game, and then deal with the outcome as it comes.
1: Now, Sabrina Ionescu, uh, we've gotten this far with mentioning all her only once or twice, but I mean, obviously, generational talent. And I know that's another buzzword, totally overused, but I've only used it two times to describe her and Tom Brady. And I have played only three games, her, Sabrina, in year one. What is a realistic expectation for her in year two?
2: For Sabrina, the, the main thing is you're going to see her compete. And it's the same as what I just said. It's going to be about the day-to-day, the learning, the growth. Um, you know, the beautiful thing is she's going to be surrounded now by some vets who can really help her along that path a little more quickly. I mean, I think you saw she had, you know, essentially young young vets and then rookies around her last year. And she was able to go out and put up a near triple double, 30 plus points. It's going to be really fun to see with now, you know, our coaching staff having a year under our belt. And getting to refine the ways that we get everybody involved and the ways that, that we try to simplify or um, make more complex what we're doing on both ends. I think that the, the main focus for Sabrina is going to be establishing a level of comfort with her opponents, with the league, with us, with our system. And, and that's the main focus. You know, I don't worry about Sabrina from a performance aspect ever because she's going to push herself harder than anyone ever could. So, you know, the main thing is let me put her in a position to succeed and let her do her thing.
1: You know, I saw a quote from you. You said, told her that because she's such a prolific scorer, defenses are really going to try to wear her down physically throughout the game. So they're playing rough with her, you know, et cetera. But I mean, what have you had her working on to kind of prepare for that?
2: Well, Right now, it's we can't do much outside of film stuff. You know, she's still progressing. Um, We will be getting into our our court work pretty soon here. Um, And she's been doing court work on her own. But the primary stuff that we're doing is we're talking through, you know, pick and roll defense. Um, we're talking through different things that we can do defensively, and I'm trying to prepare her in that regard just mentally. She continues to progress physically, then we can start to rep some of this stuff a little bit more. But right now, everyone's kind of spread out, you know, doing different things. She's on, uh, she's with Google or Apple or, you know, whoever all the time. She's got everybody, everybody pulling at her. But she's she's pretty amazing in terms of her ability to kind of always give us the attention when we ask for it. I mean, she responds to my text messages in three seconds. It's the craziest thing I've ever seen. So for somebody who's who's being pulled in that many different directions, it's it's really amazing how much she's bought in, how much she cares about this team and about her career in the W.
1: Yeah, and it's hopefully going to be a very long career for her. We're talking with general manager Jonathan Kolb and head coach Walt Hopkins of the New York Liberty. Uh, Jonathan, let me pivot to you now. You've got, you know, next moves here. You've got not a lot of cap space, $46,000. It's not a lot. Do you feel settled where this team is right now heading into the draft and looking to add talent through the draft?
13: Yeah, I think we're always looking to improve the team. We've got a few more things to solidify. Um, We have to figure out the Olympic situation, international competition situation is coming up. So we're continuing to navigate that right now. And then in terms of the draft, I mean, I was joking with Walt the other day. I mean, it's, we were so focused on free agency and you'd think you would take like a beat, like, okay, that's done, breathe. But we we pivoted right away to the draft uh, and put that in the high gear. We're, we're really excited about that as well. And so we'll see, we'll continue to see players collegially rising to the top with their play. That's been really fun to, to watch happen. And so that's where our focus is right now.
1: I'm not asking you to give away the nuclear code here, obviously, but you know, yeah. what are you kind of looking for in the draft, especially at number six? What's really
13: important is, the word build, we're still building. And so we're going to look to not necessarily have a one year fix. We're not going to plug somebody in because, okay, we need that spot this year. It's going to be with a forward thinking approach. And that's what we're looking for. So um, I know that's not the finite answer, but it's really the truth. And so we're going to find the best person for us going forward for the long term.
1: Any word on when the draft is going to be? Last I saw, I, I couldn't find anything
0: on it.
13: Not yet. Not yet. I, you know, the league's working really hard on that the best they can. They've done just a tremendous job the past year. So with all this uncertainty, hopefully we'll have clarity soon, but no firm date yet. So
1: my final question to both of you guys is Is this. I, I have a predominantly male audience that tunes into my shows. Both of you guys, what would be your message to someone who has yet to check out the New York Liberty, um, you know, in 2021? Get them to turn on the TV and, and, and watch a game or, or come to the Barclays Center eventually.
13: Yeah. One, yeah, you're saying it. I hope I hope that comes to fruition in terms of coming to Barclays. One thing I will be like dead honest about is I've never had anybody come to a game before and not go out of their way to tell me what a great time they had. It's a tremendous product. These women give it absolutely everything they have every night. I think that this is a league that's really special because it's bigger than the game itself, uh, and I think that they put their – Really, their lives on the line with their messaging, um, not being afraid to tackle really tough issues in the community. And so, this league is important. This team is important. This community is important. So, I really encourage everybody to support these people.
2: Yeah, and I'll say, I'll say kind of the same thing. You know, I've had a lot of friends come to their first game, um, be it because I was coaching or you know we would go together when I was in a different city um, back in the day, and, and everyone remarks on the pace and the power and the level of skill. I think that. Uh, I can't think of a time where, you know, similar to Jonathan, where somebody said anything um, derogatory or negative after leaving those games, they leave honestly really surprised a lot of the time and really impressed because they're not, a lot of times they're not really, you know, basketball people. They're not people who um, have gone to a ton of professional basketball games or collegiate basketball games live, you know, they just kind of watch it on TV. And so um, anytime you expose someone to these women, and, and the level of camaraderie um, and skill and athleticism, um, it's really impressive to watch. It's really, really impressive to watch live. Um, you know, it's great to watch on TV, but the live product is really, um, it's something special. So I, I I can't say more or enough about uh, what it's like to go and watch them. I, I think everybody should should take a shot at it.
1: I love it. I'm such a proponent of, of, of women in sports. You guys probably already know that. But uh, I'm just so happy that you guys were able to join me tonight. And I really appreciate you taking the time out. And and hopefully this is a, a sign of more things to come throughout the, the whole season. You know, I really enjoyed talking to you guys. Thank you. Yeah.
13: No, thank you. Thanks very much. Thanks, Danielle. I appreciate it.
1: Here's Mike McCann with an update. Danielle McCann.
5: Sports Radio 101.
1: welcome back to the fan everybody i'm danielle mccarton here in this four o'clock hour we will be joined by richard jefferson richard jefferson from a former nets player now current host of the uh, yes network uh, broadcaster for the yes network for the for the for the brooklyn nets sorry that was just a little bit sloppy my friend just called me and i'm not Exactly sure why I was embarrassed that you guys are going to hear my ringtone. It's a duck quacking. Well, now you know what it is. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, she's actually on the on the on the West Coast. But I'll, I'll text her on the break. But uh, yeah, so we've been talking a lot of Yankees baseball, a ton of Yankees baseball. Not so much Mets tonight, but it's cool. But you know, the lines are open. Whatever you guys would like to talk about um, would be great. Um, we've been having this discussion, and it's it spilled over on, onto Twitter as well uh, with about Brett Gardner. Um, And before we get into that, the score is uh, tied. Djokovic just had a lead. If anybody's watching tennis right now, Djokovic just had a 3-2 lead, and now it is tied. In the Aussie men's open. So if you guys want to tune in. Pat, what channel is that on? I might have to put that on here.
6: That would be on uh, ESPN. I have
1: to find it on on here. No, I don't know what channel that is. I'll have to find it on here. 27. (laughs) All right, 27 in the studio. All right, I was just watching uh, highlights of the Golden Knights game again. Uh, If you guys... Watch the series. I- I'm curious, you hockey fans, like actual, real, hardcore hockey fans, do you like this series? I, I do. I love the outdoor series um, when it's safe. I think it's uh, it- it's a pretty cool thing. And I think, you know, when it's done safely, it, it-, it has the potential to reach a-, a different, you know, the casual hockey fan. You know, I, I always tune into the-, the winter classic games no matter who's playing, and it just so happened that my adopted team, the Golden Knights, were playing today. The Vegas Golden Knights were playing. And I watched it, and then it was like the, the Daytona 500. 10 hours later, it finished. <laughs> but uh, yeah. So, anyway, so uh, a lot, uh, somebody tweeted me, I can't find it right this second. On uh, uh, who said it? Oh, I can't find it. They said basically the fact that, you know, what's with the Gardner hate? I'm paraphrasing. What's with the Gardner hate? It's not hate about Brett Gardner. I just think that. Yeah, he's been a great Yankee. He's had a long career. He's a World Series champion. Elder statesman of the clubhouse, sure. $4 million, I think, is too much. Um, And I just wish the Yankees had better positioned themselves to, you know, attack the, the starting pitching rotation, who's got major question marks. Kluber being one of them. Tyone being a bigger one of them. And then what? You know, so... While Brett Gardner, yes, great Yankees. I'm not, but I'm just logically speaking, I hope he proves me wrong. I hope he gets out there and has the best career of his whole season, or best season of his whole entire career. I, I hope. But you don't know. You don't know. And at, at 30, almost 38 years old, it's a big question mark for me. I don't know. All right, let's go uh, to the phones, 877-337-6666 is the phone number. Let's go, Carlo in Kings Park. You're up first, Carlo.
19: Morning, Danielle. How are you?
1: I'm great. How are you?
19: Good, good. Definitely talk about some Yankees. Um, I'm fired up about the season. Um, They were talking before about the big bugaboo as far as the Yankees with the inability to to go forward and finally win that championship. Um, I'm not in the minority, but I'll tell you one thing right now, Danielle. It's, it's the hitting and the lack of productive hitting in the playoffs. If you remember back when they played Houston, right, here's a here's a good trivia question for you. How can you possibly how can you possibly win a series when you only when a four four games in Houston? Right? Remember when they had a four games with Houston?
0: Mm-hmm. And with
1: and, so Edwin, in, and Edwin I could have hit better than him. Mm-hmm. Right? And yeah.
19: they they scored a total of three. Runs in four games against Houston. How could you possibly win a series?
1: Well, I'm, I'm still trying to figure that one out. Right, and I'm with you on that. It's more, and that too. That it was com- like okay, the inability to pitch right was compounded by the inability to hit the anemic bats. But that was a byproduct of the Yankees' hitting philosophy, which has been home run, strikeout. When and when you see elite level pitching. Like they did that—that that far into it, mm-hmm. it, it it gets exposed, and that's another problem I have with the the way that the team is constructed. That's why I like, you know, that's why get Brett Garner coming back would be a favorable thing. That's why Clint Frazier is a favorable, uh, you know, a bat to have in that lineup. DJ Lemayu. That's why he was so important to the Yankees. You know, so I mean, I see where, I see your point. Yeah, but I, I had a big discussion with somebody, on the fan, and. They they told me
19: straight out. Oh, I'm exaggerating.
1: No, nothing, Carlo. Yeah, you're not exaggerating. It, you're not. But the fa- But when you look at even the, the quality of that starting pitching rotation versus the quality of what they have right now, I mean, it doesn't compare, and that's what worries me.
19: The thing is, the upside. The reason why they got rid of Tanaka, not only because of the money, the upside on the upside on Kluber is amazing because if he's if he's higher risk low reward I mean, right. you know, yes you know, yeah yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a big deal Daniel I know
1: I, I think Kluber's gonna be great and, and I've said that on here I think I think just how you said it it's gonna be uh I'm confused now too but high, low risk high reward for him yeah, uh, yeah. absolutely and I think the Yankees had the inside track on him anyway because he was working out with with the, the trainer the, the Yankees trainer whatever director of whatever so and,
19: and Tyone, apparently he is he's like gushing to be a Yankee and if he I know the Tommy John's are a big deal, and they are. They are a big deal. Two of them, huge, huge. Two of them, and and not for anything. And it, we still we still have uh, Sever- uh, Severino uh, coming back from that. Danielle, all king aside, mm-hmm. the upside on this Yankee team has got to change because let me tell you right now, Danielle, they have they've knocked on the door for how long now? They've got to break through. I know. They've got to. Yep. It's ridiculous. I mean. I mean, I, I could scream and yell at the TV all I want. And for them not to get key hits kills me. Mm-hmm. And I told somebody on a fan, the Yankees have three windmills. And the three windmills that they have are, are uh, unfortunately, it's, it's uh, Judge, it's Stanton, and my man. And I'm in a minority with Sanchez because I do like Sanchez when he's on. And that's a big deal because I, don't, I am truly in the belief that he is not a 140 batter. I am under the. There's no way that he could possibly have something must have happened.
1: I don't know what it was, but I'll tell you, Carla. I'll tell you what it was. Uh, And and, uh, basically what it is, is he has and I experienced this on my my own team. I I told this story once before. He has whole so many voices trying to help him to fix him to, to adjust this, do that. And he he lost. He has lost his identity, both defensively and at the plate. He's trying to do too much, which sounds funny, right? Like because he's not producing anything. Um, but I, I had it on my team. I, I had a pitcher. I don't want to give her a name, but um, she. I was trying to tweak her in every way. Like you, could, I almost said her name. You could do it, you know. And she was. I, I looked at her one day, and we were padding an away game, and I said, you know, you and the catcher, you guys right here, figure out. I said, she has a tendency on what she wants to pitch on, on, a, on a third strike. You guys figure it out right now. I'm going to step away. Guess what? We won that game. The confidence level between the two of them skyrocketed. So I just think that that, that the Yankees need to just streamline what they're telling to Gary Sanchez and work on one small thing at a time uh, because he's going to be their catcher. That's it. You know, so got to make the best of it.
19: I think he's going to bounce back. I personally do. I really do. Because I'm telling you right now, Daniel. As sure as I'm sitting here on my couch, there is no way that that man is a 140 batter. It's impossible. Right, and and he will he will bounce back, but he gets shredded all the time on media. This that I mean they I mean they love to shred him, love to shred him. I mean like he's the main culprit why the Yankees haven't advanced,
1: and that's ridiculous. No, I don't agree. Yeah, I I mean I I know what you're saying. I I agree with you that he is not the main culprit of why. Right. I mean, baseball is a team game, and there isn't one. And thanks, Carl. Thanks for the call. There isn't one player that sinks a team, unless it's like a closing pitcher, like Aroldis Chapman sunk the team versus the cheating Astros that time. But that, that's a whole nother story because the Astros were cheating. But anyway, um, Gary Sanchez, you know, we don't really talk about him a lot here. You know, I always like to approach Gary Sanchez as like a put my coaching hat on and, and try to navigate what I'm seeing from him. I don't like to crap on him. You know, he had a bad season. He had a terrible season, right? And then he didn't know why he was benched. I mean, what do you mean you don't know why you're benched? You're batting 140. You have the starting ace who's making $324 million a year. He doesn't want to pitch to you because he's uncomfortable pitching to you because you can't block a ball in the dirt. So that, I thought, was a little bit ridiculous. But, you know, he came off as very open and honest, likable even in that interview I'm talking you know, there was one thing. There was an article that came out about him a while ago, but I wrote down some notes here. Um, his improvement now, the plan, Carlo is 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 including a cerebral element. So, I, as like I said, a coach myself, that is part of my players' preparation. I don't have them just stand next to a tee and, and, and wail on the ball and just hit it into the net. Like, there's a plan. They have a, a vision. I, the ones that take me seriously, which is most of them. The other ones think they could do it their own way. Whatever. That's what my batting coach says. Okay, fine. You do it your way then. But there's a vision and everything. So that's what he's, he said. This, he said this. Towards the end of the season, I focused on hitting the ball hard to right field, and that helped me in avoiding swinging at all of those sliders out of the zone. I was no longer swinging at those breaking pitches away, and that helped me. Imagine that, that novel concept of hitting a ball To right field. Imagine that. Also in that article, kind of to me, my takeaway was it kind of highlighted and underscored a bigger problem, which was communication, which isn't that ironic because Girardi supposedly wasn't a great communicator. And that was seen as a major factor in differentiating between him and Aaron Boone, you know, connecting with the younger players. One of them being Gary Sanchez. And and I'm a I love Joe Girardi. I thought he was let go unsurreptiously, if that's the right word. Unsurreptitiously, he was let go. And and guess what? Because he couldn't connect with the younger player, right? And now here he, Gary Sanchez is, he's not he's not sure why he got benched in the playoffs. Saying out loud. He and he asked for and had a respectful and positive conversation with Aaron Boone. That's his words. He said, I asked for it and had it. I explained to him that I thought I deserve an explanation for what happened. Right? Okay, that's like the younger athlete, right? How to to handle a younger athlete. You can't just – would you want to be benched with no explanation? Hey, you're not hitting too well. It's a simple conversation. You know, you're not hitting too well. We're going to give Higgy a shot. You know, be ready. Whatever. It's not a hard conversation. And it sounds like it didn't happen at all. So that's the problem. All right, let's go to, in the order that you guys called, Terry in Armenia. You're on the fan, Terry. What's up this week?
20: The Imperatrice (laughs) of the overnight is in fine form
1: tonight. (laughs) That's Empress for those of you guys that don't speak Italian. Grazie, grazie.
20: (laughs) (laughs) And you got a shout out on my classical podcast Ooh. on Wednesday.
1: Terry, you got to email me the link.
20: Well, you, I don't have your email address. Where is it?
1: It's, it's, uh, Danielle, McC- Danielle. Yeah. Dot. McCartan. At, yeah. at entercom.com.
20: At what.com?
1: Entercom, which, which is the company here. Enter and E N T E R C O M.
20: I gotcha. Okay. Um, Send you the link later today. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, the two one of the two gentlemen from the Liberty that you talked with mm-hmm. provided the explanation for why it was a wise decision for the Yankees to bring back Brett Gardner.
1: Okay, I'm intrigued. I, he, I tried to make that interview very transcendent of sport. So what what do you what do you say?
20: One of them made the observation that there are different kinds of leadership. Yes. And if you have all the same kinds of leadership, people end up stepping on each other's toes. Mm -hmm. Brett Gardner knows that he's no longer a leader on the field. And with respect to that over-under, I guess that was Joe D you were talking about? Oh, yeah. yeah,
0: Yep.
20: With respect to that, the number of at-bats he gets will depend largely on how many times and at how many positions he has to fill in for someone who's injured Yeah, because that's one of his greatest skills. And that's why I'm glad they brought him back. And all of the younger players will quietly go to visit with him to find out history, to be linked to the great players of the past, like Jeter, that gardner played with and so forth and so on mm-hmm. i think it was a brilliant decision the other point i wanted to make very quickly is i'm disgusted with all the fans who think that the off seasons for both of these teams were unsuccessful yeah
1: no i totally d- how wrong. yeah how wrong i'm with you for sure
20: how wrong these people are
1: they made moves and they made moves
20: you know they made moves uh, Steve Cohen kept his word. He said he wasn't going to throw money around, mm-hmm. and
1: built up some depth. I
20: think they deliberately lost out on Springer, on Troller, B- Troller Bauer, oh, okay. as I call him.
1: Yeah, yeah, Troller Bauer. And yeah, you're right.
20: I, I thought those were wise decisions, mm-hmm. and I think the that Brian Cashman for the Yankees has been doing his usual good job of picking up high-quality players for which other general managers don't have the vision to see what their value might be. Yeah. Kluber is one example.
1: Kluber, I think, is going to be great. I, I think Kluber is going to surprise a lot of people, and I think it's going to be a nice one-two punch. But beyond that, I'm not, I'm not okay. so sure.
20: Yeah. Okay. You are the best, my dear. Oh, I'll you. let you get to other folks. Okay. Call yeah. you next
1: week. All right, Terry. Talk and to I'll you next week.
20: I'll send you an email.
1: Of course. I'll take a, I'll take a listen to it. Take care. Okay. All right, and we will come back on the other side of the break with more of your – it's very exciting time in New York baseball for, for both Mets and Yankees fans. That They both are going to be good, and it's going to be very fun here over the next couple months, and, and we're just seeing the start of it tonight. I love it. So we'll take more Yankees and Mets calls, more of your spring training calls. After the break, 877-337-6666 is the phone number. I'm Danielle McCartan on the fan.
21: Let's
15: get down. Susan get Waldman down. and Howie Rose are talking Yankees in Mets baseball this morning, beginning at 9 a.m., with special guests in your calls, exclusively on the Fan, Sport Radio 1019 FM, WFAN, and streaming on your smart speaker, mobile device, laptop, and tablet at WFAN.com. Let's get down to Give you one more night,
20: one more
0: night, got this. Love this song. Love Tiesto.
1: Tiesto's one of the best. He's a legend. I met him. You know, I met him in Vegas one time. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Took a picture with him and everything. Yeah, he was awesome. Met him at, uh, he was leaving uh, Wet Republic, the pool party. And I was staying at the Signature, and that's where the, everybody knows now, that's where the car drops the performers off right there in the parking lot. And I was like, oh, what's this car? And then he was coming out. I was like, oh, my God, no way. Yeah, met him. Very nice. Well, as I was going to say, what was he like? Very nice. Very he asked me, to, "I didn't know what to say." He's like, "You want to take a picture?" I was like, "Yeah."
6: <laughs> <laughs> it was like years ago, it's like five, six years ago. Because I feel like behind Avicii, you know, is now dead. Uh, I feel like Tiesto is most people's like second most well known DJ.
1: Yeah, Tiesto. That's crazy. The guy's a legend. Yeah, I was like shocked. And on the same on, on that same trip, on my flight home, Ronda Rousey. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. On my flight, I was like, Rhonda? I saw the mole, you know? I was like, Rhonda? The mole. I saw
6: I saw the mole.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I was like, oh my God, Rhonda? And then the person behind her were like, who, who is that? I was like, she's a fighter.
6: <laughs> <laughs> tremendous fighter, tremendous career no matter what. But was that, was that before, before or after her like, after. fall from grace? It was after. Oof. Very
1: nice. Yeah. Yeah, I mean. She was very nice.
6: She kind of got humbled like plenty of times. Yeah, but. I
1: know. Well, and, and it's spring training time. Yeah, so that's, I love going to Vegas. You know that, but um, uh, let's see. So spring training, I want to talk about quickly about spring training. I went to spring training for the first time last February. Um, I have cousins that live near Tampa. I, I've talked about them a lot. He's a Rays fan, Lightning fan, Bucks fan. and um, And I went down last February before the whole thing shut down. I went down last February and we went to the Braves. They live by the Braves we went to. That was like a mess. They didn't lay in. That was a mess, that 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 complex. And then we we went over to, he's like, come on, you want to go to the Rays? I was like, all right, fine. So we went to the Rays, and that was awesome. That was that was a cool experience. That was my first time ever. It was last year, 31 years old, going to spring training for the first time. But I had an awesome time. Uh, I wish, you know, you know, I wish I can go again, honestly. Um, and it's obviously not possible. It was it it just worked out. The timing of it worked out for the first time. That's probably why. The timing of it worked out for the first time ever. I was off of school and, and went down. So and, and they were playing. So we had a late break or something. I don't know last year. But uh yeah. So uh cool experience. I, I wish I can get down to Tampa, honestly, and, and and see the Yankees or Port St. Lucie and see the Mets. Um, but in due time they'll be back up here and, and hopefully we'll be at the stadium cheering them on again, whether that be full capacity, probably not, or extremely limited. Um I just can't wait to get back to the stadium. I really can't. All right, let's go to your calls. 877-337-6666. Remembering that we have Richard Jefferson, uh, former New Jersey Nets player, current Brooklyn Nets analyst, uh, coming up at in about 10 minutes at 440. Okay, Mike in West Palm Beach, you lead us off. What is up?
15: Buongiorno, Coach Danielle. Buongiorno.
1: Buongiorno. Buona mattina, Michele.
15: Gracie, gracie. <laughs> you know, it, it's funny, I tuned in, I was talking to Pat, oh, always a shout out to Pat, a great uh, talk we have. Um, yeah, he's the best. Good producer. Oh, yeah. Um, I was laughing, I was gonna say, it sounds like it's turning into a tennis show, tennis, you know. Uh,
1: Pat's a big uh, tennis dude. Oh,
15: is he? Yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. Okay, good. Not to take anything away from, from tennis, but I'll, I'll tell you a quick one. Um, you know, mentioned me and Mike Francesa played ball against each other, this and that. I'm, uh-huh. I'm at his retirement party. Uh-huh. I'm sitting in the back having breakfast and watching. And then who comes up with his pink shirt, power pink shirt? Uh, Mad Dog. He goes, oh, I heard you guys played ball against each other. Yeah, we did. Yeah. What sport did you play? Oh, I was a tennis guy. So, I, said, I, have tennis. I said, oh, slow down. It's a different ball, my friend. I was a hardball player. It's a different <laughs> ball. <laughs> but uh, funny. Um, you know, so many things you talk about. Uh, mentioned to Pat, I- I'm pumped up for the spring training. You know, I'm going to Jupiter. I have a buddy who's got a place down there, and we can West Palm Beach, of course, beautiful stadium, mm-hmm. uh, and Port St. Lucie, uh, time Met fan. I can't, uh, I can't uh, stop that. Mm-hmm. And another thing, uh, uh, Danielle. Um Terry from um from, uh, Armenia.
0: Mm-hmm.
15: Uh, I was laughing my ass off last week when he was calling. He he went to Princeton, by the way. Yeah. Um, when he talked about his experience meeting a and at the Will Ponds. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh.
1: <laughs> I know. Good story last week, right? Terry you guys <laughs> yeah. you guys are great. You guys are always great overnight. I, I love it. I appreciate you guys always calling in. Everybody.
15: You know, and, and the guy that called, you know, I was laughing too. He just wanted to, you know, acknowledge what, what a good show you have. I know. <laughs> you know, I
1: know.
15: Who's the general manager and how old are you? And you say, you know, what is that relevant to? And I, I'm laughing. <laughs> Cause, I'm so, laughing by Yeah, because sometimes I, you get
1: some creeps, you know. And sometimes, You know, know, this is live radio, as you always say. So I wanted to make sure we are on the up and up on that one.
15: <laughs> That's right. Live radio, live theater. Right. Here's another one, uh, Danielle. When my daughter played travel softball, my son played travel baseball. Yeah. This was in Virginia. She was uh, 16 years ago. She was 15. And it was a um, nice tournament. You know, there was a lady, a very nice lady. Her uh, daughter was a catcher. She wasn't getting any playing time. Mm-hmm. And now uh, there's a photographer that's coming around, and she goes to the photographer. Take a picture of my daughter sitting on the bench, please.
0: <laughs>
15: and with that, you know, oh, let, let me, let me double-step it to the left. Uh, now I'm starting to, you know, laugh, laugh at that. um But uh, you can't make it up. Um, you know what? I'm looking forward to the spring training, Danielle. Uh, Yankees, let, let's hope uh, – uh, things fall into place. And another caller, a uh, big Yankee fan, you know, was saying uh, uh, about Sanchez. I can't believe he's hitting 140. I can't believe. And you were saying, and it's true. You know, uh, as Yogi said, baseball is 80% pitching, the other half is mental. <laughs> when he first broke in, he was hitting the cover of the ball. Yeah. And he he's not only in a funk, but he's totally funkified. Yeah. And he's got to, you know, uh, find something. But, um, oh uh, right. to finish up uh, Danielle mm-hmm. what's the latest on the uh, fan softball team
1: um nothing nothing new no new news to report on that uh, nothing that I know of I don't know you know I don't listen 20, you know 24 7 but I- I'm still good right. to go
12: I'm ready to catch I'll do it I'm ready to do it that's right you're ready because you you were a ball player always be a ball player
15: always be a coach and with that okay uh let me finish reading I got yesterday's post. And listen to uh, uh, the rescue show. Uh-huh. Um, you got serious, um, uh, you know, serious things going on in your life, and you're going to make the best out of all of them teaching, coaching, and you got serious mojo behind a microphone.
1: <laughs> Let's put that on a t shirt, why don't we, around here? <laughs> <laughs> I'll buy one. <laughs> Mike, thanks. I appreciate that always, and i always taking up. Picking up the phone call and, and, and really have a fun time in spring training. I can't wait to hear you report back from it.
15: Well, I'll tell you what. You know, you always enjoy the calls. And the guy last week, he said, that guy from uh, Florida. I was a drummer, too, North Carolina. Well, uh, give me a rim shot, man. Let's go. <laughs> All right, Danielle. <laughs> it, t- t-
1: there you go. There it is. There's the rim shot, Mike. Thanks. Thanks for the call. I'll talk to you next week. <laughs> okay, let's go to Stewart in Brooklyn. You are on the fan, Stuart.
22: Morning, Coach. How are, How are you? you today? I'm great. How are you? Yeah, you 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 got... You've got everything and more going on. You've got the it factor. Ah, thanks. You've got Robert. the it factor. Thank you. Danielle, your presence, your poise, your pizzazz. And, well, first of all, uh, people, people don't understand there's too much going on in Gary Sanchez's head. They oh, have yes. to clear it out. Yes. Let them go back to the basics.
1: Yep. That's exactly where I would that. start with him. Yep.
22: Yeah, basics with Gary. Gary came up; he was a terror. Yeah, I mean, like John Sterling used to say, "Scary Gary." Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like it was.
1: Now it's a different kind of scary, Gary.
22: <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, Strike Three. And uh, you know what it is? <laughs> I hope the I, from what I'm understanding, Judge and Stanton have been doing more yoga and cardio yep, instead we talked of about that. the yep. weight room. Yep. Which I've been saying to my friend in North Carolina. I said, they need to get off the weightlifting. They don't have to be WWE superstars. Right. They
1: don't have to look like linebackers. No way. No,
22: they don't need to look like linebackers or defensive linemen. Yeah. I mean, come on. They, they They have to be flexible. All the guys years ago were more flexible. They weren't tightly wound. Why do you think they have injuries? Those muscles and everything on their body is so tightly wound. Yes. Any wrong move, snap, crack, or pop. Yep. And in case cases, pop that T.J., pop that ulnar nerve, and you're done. Done. Mm-hmm. And most of them don't even come back. Did you hear of guys having, uh, years ago, Tommy John, or any major arm surgeries? I didn't hear of any people. I never heard of Tom Seaver going for surgery.
0: Yeah, I know. I, like yeah. that.
22: And right. uh, me mentioning him. Yeah. Oh, God, that was terrible.
0: Yeah.
22: Hearing about him. Yeah. And uh, that the was money. part of my childhood growing up. Still, I was yeah. there July 9th, 1969 i never seen a guy who was so on that night. Uh, and then Jimmy Quarles got the base hit. And that led, the crowd let out of awe. And that was that was heartbreaking. But then going to the World, the, uh, World Series parade yeah. in October that year, Danielle and I we went through the whole day. Me and my friend, we went to the parade. We didn't go to school that day. <laughs> and then we get back to Shea Stadium. And who's holding the Super Bowl trophy over his head with a mink coat on? Joe Namath, that made my whole, that made it, <laughs> that made everything so spectacular. Awesome story. I mean, there, Joe Stewart. Namath was, uh, to me, he was uh, He was awesome. Yeah. If he didn't get hurt in the Orange Bowl of 1965, he would have played a lot longer and would have had a lot better stats. Yeah. Because he couldn't move. Right, he Stur- would get killed. Stur- I remember Buck Buchanan, uh and that guy, John, that guy Davidson, Ben Davidson, crushing him all the time. Yeah, well, Stuart, we got to get to, we got to
1: run to Richard Jefferson, Stuart. I hate to cut you off. there. great stories.
22: Then you, you keep up the good work. Thank you. Always, always glad to hear your voice. Thank you. I you, talk you've to got, you. Like I said, the it factor, and don't let anybody say anything different. Well, thanks, Stuart. You have a good day. Talk day, to you next day. week.
1: Yeah, talk to you next week. Uh, yeah, and, and talking about parades, we could talk about that too. I went to a Giants parade one time, skip school, college. Went to a Yankees parade one time, skip school college to do so. so we can talk about that as well. Coming up next, Richard Jefferson, former New Jersey Net, current Yes Network Brooklyn Nets analyst. Talk some Brooklyn Nets basketball coming up on The Fan.
7: 5 to 6 a.m. is a warm-up show, 6 to 10. We're all together right here on The Fan. No!
1: Joining us on this installment of Brooklyn Beat is a former New Jersey Net and current Yes Network Nets analyst, Richard Jefferson. Richard, thanks so much for joining us.
7: Honestly, it is my pleasure. It's always good to meet other New Jersey fans.
1: Here we are. The Nets, the Brooklyn Nets are on a five-game winning streak. Um, Richard, I kind of wanted to have you on here just to give it like the player perspective. I always find that to be, I know analysts are great, but players know best. So, During that five-game winning streak, the longest of the season, what has this team figured out during that stretch?
7: Well, now they've had some, like, crazy games. I was fortunate enough to call the game with Ryan Rucco their comeback game uh, in Phoenix. So it's like they've had some fortunate luck. They've had some great shooting, great contributions. There have been so many people. Joe Harris has been on the tear. This hasn't, you know, obviously – Because Kyrie went out and they've had games without Kyrie and KD. But ultimately, I think their team has stepped up and they realize, especially with the elevated scoring in the league, that if they just play a little defense for a little bit, then the game is pretty much over.
1: When I look at the past five games, the 11 point win over the Lakers might have been that statement win so far, if you will. And while watching that game, what makes you say that the Nets have it to win it all?
7: You know what it is, is that obviously that game is so tough because right before the game, no Schroeder. Really, literally, they pull them off before the court. And these are not excuses for the Lakers. It's just like, yes, they beat the Lakers. Yes, the the Brooklyn Nets weren't 100% because they didn't have Kevin Durant. So it's like those things are too very, I don't know. It, it's hard to say. Do I know that they belong in that class with the Lakers? That is the, That is it. When coming into this season the lakers won the championship they were kind of favored them the clippers milwaukee but they were in the top two to win a championship they won the championship then they got better they added schroeder they added wesley matthews they added uh, Montrez harold so all of a sudden you're like oh man the defending champs with the finals mvp and anthony davis got better so at the beginning of the season there wasn't like everybody else was kind of scrambling and then all of a sudden the brooklyn nets show up and it looks like they're putting it together Their roles are becoming more defined. So now you're like, in my mind, there's only two, let's say three teams, because you want to give half respect to Clippers. You want to get half respect to Philly. You want to get half respect to Utah. But like, ultimately, those teams have so much more that they need than what the Lakers and the Brooklyn Nets do.
0: What do
1: you see? What similarities or differences do you see in this team versus maybe your Nets team, the the one that went to the Eastern Conference Championship back-to-back years, or even your Cavs team that won it all?
7: Well, I think this team is that team. Team is more closer to the Cavs team, right? Obviously, you have LeBron, who's kind of like a hybrid James Harden KD, where he's still the leading scorer, but he also is the leading assist man. So he was kind of like a hybrid between the two of them. Kevin Love, and I think there was just good veteran depth off the bench, and you already see the move that the Brooklyn Nets are trying to bring in. They bring in Iman Shumpert. They bring in Roverson. These are two guys that are like specifically known for defense. That's what they do. That's why they're there. And so you can even see that the Brooklyn Nets understand what their deficiencies are and they're trying to address them, right? And so that to me... It reminds me a lot more of our Cleveland team. And, and understand this, our second year that we lost to the first year where it was Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson, that 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 when he joined that Golden State Warriors team, our team that year was better than we were the year before. But we just went against a team that was far better than they were the year before.
1: Is there something about this Brooklyn Nets team that kind of makes you pause? Like, you know what? Maybe they don't have what it takes to win it all this year.
7: We haven't seen them in the fire yet. It's a cool thing that they're doing they're running they're scoring a lot of points all our stuff is great but ultimately we're we're not seeing them under stress yet that's where you really see a team grow that's why teams that have been together multiple years a lot of times start to accomplish greater things like the gold state warriors have been together for a few years these guys have been through fires together and they've come out on the other side clay thompson going for 40 in a game six like like different things that you're just like, you look around and you see it. And so that's just one thing that I think when you look at this team, it's like we still have to see them be able to go through those moments.
1: We're talking about Richard Jefferson, former New Jersey net, current Nets analyst for the S yes network. The road to the finals, in my opinion, is undoubtedly going through Philadelphia, right? So the Nets give up the second most points per game in the league in the paint. Does Joel Embiid scare
7: you? Oh, 100%. Joel Embiid should scare everybody in the league. I I did the game with Ryan Rucco, and he scored a 50 ball, and he did it the entire game by himself. And I mean this respectfully, is that no one had double digits on Philly in the middle of the third quarter. Then Tobias Harris got going a little bit. But it was like the first two quarters and a half, it was Joel Embiid doing pretty much all the work offensive rebounding, getting other people involved, defensive plays, scoring on the block, hitting threes. He was, it was like from start to finish, he was just a, a monster. And then one thing that is not just Joel Embiid is Tobias Harris is a pretty big guy. Ben Simmons is a really big guy. So when you start looking around at their team, Their team has a tremendous amount of size. And that's one area that the Brooklyn Nets, you know, whether lack of defense, lack of size. But the one thing that I would say is that the three point shooting for the Brooklyn Nets is just a difference maker.
1: You just alluded to it. The Nets give up the third most points per game on average. So how can my question to you, having played the game more so put a player's uniform on here, how can that be rectified or does it need to be?
7: It, it, it needs to be rectified because ultimately it's, you, you, there's going to be a night where you got to win a game with your defense, mm-hmm. where you always do a math equation in your head in basketball. It's, okay, if you're not the home team in the playoffs years, you're like, we got to go and we got to get one there. Then we come back. We got to win both at home. Then we, you know, so, so everyone's always doing this math and there's like going to be a game where you have to win a game. If you're going to win a championship, maybe multiple games. If you go on and win a championship, you're going to look back. There's not a team in NBA history that can look back and say that they don't have two, maybe three wins during their title run that they won with their defense and not their offense because they offense was slow. Those were the games where like you only shot 41%, but you grounded out and you were still able because you out rebounded them and you outworked them and your defense did it If you take that away from a team and say you're only just going to try and outscore somebody, then you're taking away those opportunities almost to win games like that.
1: We're seeing Kevin Durant will be out again tomorrow. Do you have a, a concern that the pace of play, this this fast pace could be detrimental to the overall like health of this team, him in particular?
7: Uh, no, because when you're playing at this type of pace, the slower the game becomes, the more physical it becomes. So, with the more fit, that's why they always said, like, oh, the 90s and the 80s, the game was so much more physical. It wasn't just because of the brawls and the flagrant, no flagrant fouls. It was because when you slowed it down and you made multiple passes, and you were posting up because they had so many big men. You know that was the era of Shaq and David Robinson and Tim Duncan and and Rick Smiths, Patrick Ewing, Hakeem Olajuwon, Alonzo Mourning, Dikembe Mutombo. It was like it was like the league was just littered with huge human beings that were dominating. When the game is faster, that that favors the littler guy, that favors the smaller guy, that favors the quick guy. So I don't worry about that you know, now minutes and wear and tear, but there's no practice anymore. So guys aren't worried about that stuff. It's just a matter of can their bodies withstand the run that it's going to take. And it's, you know, 20 something games that you're going to have to play in order to win a championship.
1: Right. If the Nets meet the Lakers in the finals, having won a championship with him, what do you think LeBron's message was to the team after that, that last
7: game? I I think the win meant more for the Brooklyn Nets than the loss did for the Lakers, Mm -hmm. right? Like, they lose their starting point guard, and then Anthony Davis is not playing. Now I know, I you know, say what you will. Kevin Durant at his peak is a better player than Anthony than Anthony Davis. So if you're trying to say that, oh well, if Kevin Durant was there and Anthony Davis, yeah, but the Lakers' game is predicated on defense. They're the number one ranked defensive team, and they're losing a top two defensive player in the league that their game is predicated on. Then you lose Schroeder, who is your point of person at the top. So if we're saying all things being equal, you're going to be talking about the best offense and the best defense, but the best defense didn't have their best defender and the best offense didn't have their best offensive player. So it's like, what did that game really mean then? It meant that, like, LeBron James, who is definitely an MVP, no no disrespect, we weren't talking about defense, and then you're talking about, like, Kyrie and James Harden, who are monsters, starters in the All-Star game. Kyrie is, James probably should be. These guys had a battle with secondary players. And I'm, when I mean secondary players, it means guys that they weren't a part of the normal rotation.
1: You said with AD being out, it's going to affect LeBron's MVP hunt. If it's not LeBron James, who is it?
7: Dude, um... I, I really like again. These are what I'm going to say. Like, there's a bunch of different people that had that should be mentioned for different reasons. Now I know I'm going to say LeBron James. Everybody knows that. Joel Embiid, yes. Now Joel Embiid has to stay healthy. He can't miss. You know, I think he's missed six or seven games. And I'm not saying that that's a hold against him. But if you start to look at it as the season progresses, if it, all of a sudden he missed 15 games over the course of a shortened season, then his numbers better be just historic. Right. right because you're like you're missing a ton of time and so that's why i think part of the reason why lebron james focuses so much on trying to play all 82 so you can eliminate that excuse I, I really believe that those two guys i think dame lillard with no cj and no Nurkic to have those boys where they are is so impressive i think chris paul chris paul obviously they had a a pretty tough loss the other night but it's like think about it the the Phoenix Suns haven't been to the playoffs in, what, 11 years? Chris Paul shows up, and they're now a top-five defense. Right now, they'd have home court in the first round of postseason. That's all because of Chris Paul. But it's like it's weird because it's like, yeah, his numbers might not be 21 and 12, but that is 100% directed. So if you're talking about the most valuable player to their team, the argument for Chris Paul and Damon Lillard should be at least in the conversation because they've been so valuable to their team.
20: And
1: that's something that we I I get callers all the time about you know who is the most valuable to their team versus the league. It's always it's always an argument always, <laughs> but um, hey, quick quick question that's like kind of sort of like a funny sort of question. Could you clear up your likings of courtside Karen's Instagram posts? Why? <laughs> Why did you do this?
7: It? Is the <laughs> Why? Because for this exact interview right here, for this moment right here, think about it. When you went and you were searching for oh, LSK, okay, I'm going to interview Richard, we're going to do this. At the end of the day, like you have to be content creators, one. Two, the internet, the people, the basketball community, the media are so predictable. So predictable. And for me, that brings me joy to basically be able to just be like, watch what this does. Just watch. As soon as this thing goes down, I do one of my, you know, silly real videos that I like to have fun with just to kind of joke around. That starts going viral. I see the chick and I know for a fact, I know without a doubt, everyone is going to rush to her page. Everyone in the basketball community is going to rush to her page. You know, you know that, right? Like, like you knew if something were to happen, everybody rushes to a page. I to did do it. That. You, I'll be honest, okay, did. you did it. Exactly. You did it. So my reaction would be how can I continue to make this entire interaction funnier? How can I continue to add like a level of absurdity? I'm like, I'm going to like every one of her pictures. So I've never met this person, never seen him before. Like she's married. I'm married. Like there's nothing there. When I go and I go picture, 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 picture. So all of these NBA fans that are LeBron James fans that, and again, if you follow me, you're definitely following LeBron James, right? So like, they just, you know, especially in like the social media world. So now all of like bronze fans that follow me now see that I've liked like 20 pictures and there's a large portion of them that find it hilarious. And they're just like, wow, Richard is full on trolling. And there's another portion of like, wait, I don't understand. I, I, I don't get it. And it's like, no, it's because you guys are predictable. I knew you guys were going to come here. So I just started flooding it with likes to make it even funnier for you guys and to mess with your brains one more step.
1: Glad we got clarification on that. You know, I want to ask you about the uh, the all-star game because Kyrie Irving obviously joins Captain Kevin Durant in the starting lineup for the East. The announcement will be Tuesday for you know the reserves. I'd have to think more Nets are playing in that game. Which players do you hope to see on the reserve list?
7: Come on, like there's like obviously James is going to be on it. James probably if he wouldn't have traded conferences, he would have been a starter. That actually happened. I feel like with Jason Kidd, he got traded. He was getting traded to Dallas, and they weren't sure if he was going to be a West All Star or an East All Star. It was like all. All, all weird but no james harden is obviously an all-star like the guy that's leading the league in assists and uh, averaging you know whatever he's averaging he's had six triple doubles i think in 17 games right with the brooklyn nets and so when you look at those numbers like, it doesn't matter who that is it doesn't matter if he's popular or not that man's an all-star and so you know the nets are- will have and should have three all-stars.
1: Talking with Richard Jefferson here on the fan. Richard, if we can just go across town really quick for my Knicks fans listeners, put your analyst hat on now.
7: I'm one of the biggest like Nick villains that aren't named Reggie Miller.
1: <laughs> so so coming from you then could they really make a run?
7: At making the playoffs? Yes, playoffs. they could I think yeah yeah. Well that's what I know. It's just you have to clarify that for Nick fans. You know some teams you say the Brooklyn Nets can they make a run? You're talking about championship. For the Knicks team, you say, can they make a run? And you're talking about the postseason. So there's, there's you know, different statements. And that's also, like, that statement that I just made right there is like, Knicks fans hate me. But no, 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 I, I think they can. I think Julius Randle is definitely a person that I personally believe is an all-star. He should be an all-star. So Knicks fans, I, I respect that. I think R.J. Barrett's playing well. Look, what Thibodeau is doing, and even I watched that first game that Derrick Rose did, and he just had just a, a great impact um, on, on that game when Derrick Rose first showed up and you know they're they're really starting to make this team competitive and my big thing is it's not a matter of like the Knicks and the garden thing like that type of stuff like the sooner the Knicks fans kind of get over that the better off that there will be like the Lakers won the historic franchise that have won championships in recent memory that have like amazing players they got turned down by Kawhi and Paul George right like in free agency they got turned down by both so like If that franchise, which is far more historic, far more historic than, than the Knicks, if they're losing out to free agents, to the neighbors, you have to make your team attractive to come play. And I think the Knicks are finally starting to do that when the Brooklyn Nets were dog terrible and they had no picks and all that other stuff, KD and Kyrie wouldn't assign there or once the Nets got to the postseason. And they had all these young players, and they had. They became an attractive free agent destination, and I think the the New York Knicks are starting to do that now. You have some stability in the coaching staff. You have a guy that people like trust his word, who's been successful. He's not a newer name, not like Derek Fisher, or, or you know, I know Fizdale had a little bit of success in Memphis, and it's a, it's going to be a great coach in this league. But I think having Thibodeau there, and then I think the last part is is that. Now that you've got guys that are competing at a high level consistently, and then someone playing at a very high, high performance level in Randall, I, I think he's definitely deserving of an all star. And I think the future, for the first time in a while, I think the future that there's an actual path, you can see the path to success for the Knicks. That was the hardest part is that it didn't matter what was going on, you just couldn't see the path.
1: You see that, Knicks fans? You can't hate him anymore.
7: No, (laughs) I love Nick fans. I love Nick fans. It's just kind of like with the courtside, Karen. I don't mind triggering people. I don't because it's all in good fun. I have not nothing malicious. I I actually don't have a bad bone in my body. Like I think it's all hilarious. But with that being said, it's like there's a competitive side. So I'm okay if they don't like me. It's fun, but just it's fun to trigger y'all. And that that's really it. So know that it's never personal. I don't hate the Knicks. There's none of that. But it is fun to have a little back-and-forth answer if you can keep up.
1: And they are an excitable, passionate bunch. Richard Jefferson, thank you so much for joining us tonight. I really appreciate it.
7: Oh, it's my pleasure. My pleasure.
1: Everybody, I would think, and that's kind of why I was asking, I would think Joe Harris would be a reserve. I, I think he's a great player. Um, and we'll be curious to see on Tuesday who or which Nets get, get the reserve. And, and a good point by him that if – Harden wasn't traded, and and just I can never say this word. Just composing it against uh, what happened to Jason Kidd playing in two conferences that Harden probably would have been a starter. So three, I was almost say New Jersey. Three Brooklyn Nets players are should have been in the starting rotation for the East, um, for the All Star game. I think Joe Harris is reserve. And finally, we got to the bottom, courtside Karen. We got to the bottom of it. Richard Jefferson, again, thank you so much for joining us. Right now, we have Mike McCann with an update.
0: Danielle
5: mccarton
1: Sports Radio 1019FM. Welcome back to mccarton in the morning. It is 5 05 here in the morning in New York City, Lower Manhattan, February 21st. It's a Sunday. It's an easy Sunday morning. We're almost at that point. If you'd like to get aboard, it's 877 337 6666. Pat, working hard. Working on a weekend like usual behind the glass, and, and and so am I. And you guys, too, are on the phones. It's been a great night of calls so far. Let's keep it going through the final hour of my show. Bob Salter comes your way at 6 a.m. We've had a ton of, of baseball talk tonight. I would say probably 95% of the show tonight has been baseball, which is great. People are excited. We're going to have some good baseball in the city this year. Good baseball. I, I put a poll up, and I'm so Intrigued, why you guys care what I wear to the show? But I put up a poll, and it, it gets always a lot of votes. I said, "Do you want me to wear a New York Liberty uh, something tonight, or a Mets, or a Yankees?" And the winner was the Mets, so I'm sitting here in a Jacob DeGrom T-shirt. So there you go for you guys. Um, just trying to paint the visual like a like a color uh, column commentator would be. So the, the song I, the snippet of the song that I played for you guys was the Backstreet Boys, but I'm going to change the lyrics tonight. This is in the 2 o'clock hour that was. I'm going to change the lyrics for you and I'm going to say, baseball's back, all right. So everybody's excited, right? We did not talk about this just yet. Maybe we could save it for next week. But I really studied really in-depth how baseball is deadening the baseballs this year and how it's going to affect um, particularly the Mets, yeah, but particularly the Yankees. Um, I, I, I studied every angle of it. So if you guys want to talk about that, the science behind it, Has it been done before, the impact of it? Is it a positive or a negative thing? And does now the advantage swing to the batter or to the pitcher because of these new baseballs that they're rolling out for the 2021 season? From there, we went to Brett Gardner as a Yankee again. I'm just very lukewarm on it. Brett Gardner has been um, most of the conversation tonight. I'm just really lukewarm on the whole thing I know he had an uptick in his play I know he sees a lot of pitches at the plate I know he's been a tried and true Yankee he's a leader in the clubhouse you know I get all that I just for a few reasons are very lukewarm right those are the reasons why I'd be like all right but I don't want him taking a bat out of Clint Frazier's hands or anybody else's hands Clint Frazier in particular, though, because I think Clint Frazier is going to have an excellent breakout year this year based on just the trajectory of, of where he started to where he is now. It's just going to continue to go upwards. So Clint Frazier is going to have a great year. Um, he finally, he seems to be sh- you know, chicken the cobwebs out of, of the concussions and everything, and he seems 100% healthy, 100% ready to go. And, and the other thing is uh, leadership, right? We talk about leadership. Just because you're 38 years old Sure, you're a leader, right? But just because you're younger, it doesn't mean you can't also lead. So I'm worried that maybe possibly Brett Gardner might be taking a leadership role away or preventing from someone from becoming and stepping up to be a leader in that, in that, um, in that clubhouse. Cause you think sometimes, I think of the teams that I've had, you know, I've coached my teams. Just because you're a senior, it doesn't mean You are um, a leader. You're not a senior leader. And we can talk about Zach Wilson, too, um, that his team voted for him, voted for eight captains, and he wasn't one of them. And then they, in my opinion, you know, this whole leadership council, whatever, but that's besides the point. So what I'm saying is I just think that the Yankees, their need for a starting pitching arm Exceed for me, exceeded their need to bring Brett Gardner back. And I know it's not an even exchange by any means. I know that a guy like Tanaka would cost more than obviously Bre- Brett Gardner would cost. I- I'm not, I'm not, I'm not dumb, obviously, right? I think you guys know that. But I think if the Yankees configured their roster in a way that they prioritize bringing in or back a starting pitcher over re re-sign or re signing Gardner and going out and get Wilson, I think the Yankees would have been in a better position. I think they've got. You know, I don't want to say uh, an excess of outfielders, but they've ad- they've added a guy like Greg Allen, Jay Bruce, Derek Diedrich. There's your depth. There's your outfield depth. Don't forget, Aaron Hicks is coming back too. Don't forget that. And we also talked a little bit about how okay, well, he could be a fill in player for uh, Aaron Judge and John Carlos Stanton when they get hurt. Well, first of all, John Carlos Stanton isn't going to see much of left field, uh, much of the outfield. Right? You know, it's going to be Frazier in left, uh, Hicks in center, Judge in right. That, that's your starting outfield. Okay. Stanton is a designated hitter. But we, we talked about how I think that because they've introduced him, them and a couple other guys like Luke Voigt have introduced yoga into their repertoire of training, that because they've done that, Yoga stretches out the muscles, you know the whole thing For the fir- like for the first time they're changing up their 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 program. For the first time, they're still going to be big. they're six, eight, six, seven, you know but for the first time, they they are not coming to camp built like linebackers. And in a game like baseball and softball, you have to be flexible. you know the, the torque created when, when you swing a bat. Oblique injuries. Did we not see an oblique injury with with Aaron Judge? So if if you are um, uh, being – the muscles are more malleable with incorporating yoga into it. So I would be very curious to see because, you know, they say that saying is – what's the saying? If you do the same thing over and over and expect different results, you're crazy. So by changing it up, it can't be a bad thing. So I'm excited to see that. And, of course, you know – Aaron Judge is, is looking for a payday. You know that. And, but it's a willingness to change and adapt. So I, I'm open to it. I hope it works out for them. I hope Aaron Judge never comes off the field. <laughs> you know? Uh, and another thing about this Brett Gardner deal, uh, one of the articles I read, and I can't remember because I read so many, but um, I should have written it down, but I didn't. But apparently the Brett Gardner deal was on the table for weeks. So does that mean no one wanted him? Did he not have any other better, more lucrative offers, right? So that also raises the secondary question of did the Yankees overpay for him? Because if it was the only offer, how would you know, you know? So I'm thinking that, one, nobody wanted him, and two, or, two, no one wanted to pay him the, what is it, the $4 million that he got, one-year deal, and, of course, the second-year player option if it reject if rejected, it turns into a team option. And we also talked in Yankee Land about Domingo Herman, the whole timeline of of the craziness, the trauma, the the telenovela that's happening with him, and, and the ownership and and not I am mean, not the ownership, the GM, the manager, bench coach, everybody's involved, right? Then he, he posts another cryptic message to Instagram saying in Spanish, "Everything is over." Then he deleted it. And then he put up another one in Spanish that said, I'm ready. This came on the same day that that Aaron Boone said, he f- we feel like he's in a good place coming in, and now it's time for him to go out and resurrect his career and compete for a spot on this team, which is fine. And all that drama happened. So Wednesday night, that happens. Thursday, Boone talked with... Herman about the posts and i had I have a conversation he said he had a conversation about trying to be as smart and choosy as we can about some of the things we're expressing publicly and the anticipated media pressers today, which I am not going to miss, I will not miss this Boone obviously right Chapman, okay, Mike King, and guess who Domingo Herman is going to speak today through a translator, but if he's going to speak, so I will be be tuned in locked in to that and I hope you guys are as well because I'd love to talk about it. So because Aaron Boone then says, "Oh, the messages were taken out of context, a little bit overblown." Absolutely not. Is your head spinning cuz mine is, right? Then add the fact that Zach Britton was asked about the situation in one of his pressers. He said he doesn't need an explanation from Herman about what transpired that led to his his ban. But then in a let's just say really unexcited tone, he added I think sometimes you don't get to control who your teammates are, and that's the situation. I don't agree with what he did. I don't think it has any place in the game or off the field at all. This is Zach Britton. He said, I think that's something that it's, he's going to have to deal with on his own and make better choices going forward. Then Zach Britton doubled down on Twitter Thursday evening. Somebody basically asked him, like, why are you concerned about him? Do your own thing. And Zach was like, Zach Britton was like, ha, you think I don't know the circumstance? is a tweet. You don't think I know the circumstances? Get a clue, bud. Was asked the question. By the way, gave my answer. Don't care if you're sensitive to it. You know what? It's refreshing for, to see someone give a real response and take it real. Stand there, because to me, this is an absolute finite breaking point. And we're gonna hear from Domingo Herman later today. But one, you've got this Herman who, who he's not f- figured it out yet since he's still posting these cryptic messages, then taking them down, then reversing course, redacting them, putting up new ones. Two, there is an inflection point in this clubhouse that will hopefully be addressed later today, created by Zach Britton by publicly, on Twitter, doubling down on condemning the behavior, and rightfully so. And then three, I think that the player is now making the manager look a little foolish because when Boone says the guy's ready to go, he's back at it, and then he's got to have to have a conversation with him about the use of social media on the same day that he came out and said that. Let me tell you something. This is a 28-year-old man. I have this conversation about how to act on social media with my 14-year-old athletes on day one of the season before they've even opened a high school textbook. I have given them the riot act about their social media usage, the correct and the incorrect ways to utilize it, Guess what? With teenage high school athletes, I've never had one single problem with them. Ten years of coaching, not one. They get it. Why can't Domingo Herman? So I feel this is like twofold or bifold. You've got a, a mentally unstable man, right? Almost being coddled and, and willed to succeed by the organization. It's not working. Tough love is what it is at this point. This is a breaking point. We, by the way, still don't even know exactly what happened. Why not? Does anybody ever wonder that? Why don't we know exactly what happened? We live in the age of information. We've seen the videos before. We've heard the witness testimony in other cases where there is no video. I'm talking what came to my mind was the Ray Rice elevator incident. We we all saw it. And then Aroldis the, Chapman, there was no video, but we all heard about it, right? So why has there been nothing said about this? And then there is the other layer of social media usage by the athletes. Because the other heavyweight bout is is across the, across the town here, Noah Syndergaard versus Trevor Bauer, roasting each other on Twitter, challenging them to... What exactly? I don't know. Syndergaard challenged him too. He said you bring your drone and your mixtape and it's a deal. Hashtag take a joke, bro. Bauer said you got yourself a date. So uh, I don't really know exactly what that means, but doesn't it add another level of excitement and engagement to the just even the average baseball fan? Not even the LA or the Med fan, but but the average baseball fan. Because now you're excited to see. I hate when pitcher's back. But I am very curious right now to see, once they step into the batter's box against each other, what's going to happen. And by the way, the first time that the Dodgers play the Mets is on, guess when? <laughs> Friday, August 13th. So mark that down on your calendar, right? So I think these this kind of drama, especially the Syndergaard-Bauer, is good. It's great for baseball. It's fun. It's clean. It's fun to me, anyway engages people, fans of all different ages. And guess what? If you're not on Twitter, you didn't know what happened, it doesn't ruin the product on the field. So those are two guys that obviously know how to manipulate social media. Is it real? Might not be real, but does it matter? And B, is it good for baseball? And, of course, Walker's a Met. The the drama that happened at the the Vegas Golden Knights game uh, with the ice, Golden Knights um, and Colorado Avalanche game with the ice. I love the outdoor games. I I do. I love, uh, I love watching it, and I think it engages the, again the casual fan. And I think uh, that's always a good thing when you engage the casual fans. The diehards are always going to be there, but I I, I I read I'm pretty sure I saw that they were going to use our our favorite hour. We all talk about how we love the 8K camera. I didn't see it. I didn't see the usage of it, but maybe in all the the chaoticness, uh, the chaos. I don't know. I forgot to use it or something, but I did see the drone footage. But how beautiful is Lake Tahoe? I've never been there. But, again, that's like the Google searches for Lake Tahoe probably went up a million times, you know? So I think Taewon Walker is a good fit for the Mets, by the way. Uh, We could talk about that in a second. And also the quarterback carousel. Obviously, you know, Carson Wentz went to Indianapolis. And uh, if you flip this script, right, if the Jets were offered a third and a conditional second round for Sam Darnold, would you do it? Still no deal for me. Use the draft capital to build the team the right way. You've got four first-round draft picks over the next two drafts, and that can address all of the premium positions. Offensive line, uh, edge rusher, cornerback. And then you have like a luxury pick. Woo, go ahead, get a wide receiver. I don't know. But the Jets have the flexibility, and if they just built around him, they would obviously, obviously. I think it's obvious anyway. A lot of people don't. I think it would be obvious that Sam Darnold would take the next step. I think so. So stay patient, Jets fans. That's my message to you. I think Carson Wentz, someone called earlier. Do you think Carson Wentz is going to have a, a good season in in with the Colts, yes, of course. The guy is hell bent on proving that he could do the job. Of course, he, he of course he's got motivation. And we're watching the the Australian Open on TV right now. There are a lot of fans in the stands, a ton. Hopefully, one day we can get back to that. And they're not cardboard cutouts. I, I'm like watching this as I'm talking here. They're not, they're moving. <laughs> so there's a lot of fans in the stands at the, at the Australian Open here. Cool. I can't wait to get back to a game. And if you heard, Vernon called up and Vernon uh, gave me a, a trivia question that I know this is not how this works. So I'm going to have to figure out if this is okay. But he said, if you can get this trivia question, no Googling. I'm going to give you a pair of my, uh, I think, a, a pair of my Mets tickets. Okay. I said, but Vernon, that's not how it works. We usually give the tickets out to the listeners. The listeners don't usually give the tickets out to us. Either way, I answered the question. He asked me, what five sports um, did Jackie Robinson play? And I got, them all, I got all five of them. I, I, I surprised myself, I'll be honest. By the way, these sports are baseball, obviously. Um, uh, bas- I guess basketball, because everybody's played basketball, and that was right. Track and field, I guessed, because I like when my athletes run track and field, especially softball players, baseball, softball players that run sprints, right? I guessed, uh,
6: uh, what was the other one, Pat? Basketball. Yeah. You got the basketball, baseball, football, football, track and field. And the last one was tennis. And tennis. I'm surprised you got tennis.
1: You know why? Because I read Jorge Posada's book. And in it... You know, growing up where he grew up, they played table tennis for hand-eye coordination. Mm. So I figured tennis for hand-eye coordination. That's why I guessed. That's it. a good
6: guess. I mean, that was that, that was still a wild one.
1: Yeah. I don't know. Jorge Posada said it, it helped them immensely. Maybe Gary Sanchez could play some table tennis.
6: Yeah. For Maybe real. that'll help him. I'm not a Sanchez hater though, so I'm I, I don't want to slander Gary any more than everybody else does. Yeah.
1: No. I, I always approach it as like, how can we help him? Like that would be something that could help him. Table tennis.
6: I think he's going to have a big year. I hope so. That's a whole other can of worms. In there.
1: We can do that. Right, 877-337-6666. Danielle McCartan on the fan with you until 6 a.m. on this Sunday morning. Well, I'm
0: leaving you. Tomorrow. The net's
15: West Coast Road Trip wraps up tonight against the Clippers. Game time is 805 with our coverage underway at 745. This is Chris Carino. I'll join you with Tim Capstraw for all the action, exclusively on the Fan. Sports Radio 1019-WFAN FM and streaming on your smart speaker, mobile device, laptop, and tablet at WFAN.com. That's
3: why I'm easy.
22: Like
1: Sunday morning. Welcome back on this Sunday morning It's McCartan After Midnight. That is the Pat Boyle special. However, he has something planned for the grand finale song, so we have to see what that is. So he's playing this one early. This has been a good morning. We've got a lot of calls, a lot of input. We're full, so we should head back to the calls. But let me take a look at what's going on here. Wow, we've got a mishmash of things. Wow, okay. Uh, I guess we just ended up talking about Sam Darnold. And uh, how I think if you built around him, you'll see what he can do. You have a head coach that knows what he's doing. You'll see what he can do. I think there's plenty of upside for Sam Darnold. Plenty. He has regressed every single season. So it's time for him to be elevated again, and he can do that. The Jets have a ton of cap space. They have a ton of draft capital. That's going to be a brand new team. Wayne Corbett told you on this show, everybody's playing for their jobs. Everybody knows not there. a lot of them are not going to be back. It's gonna be a brand new team coming out. So I'd be curious to see what the new look jets are gonna be. Let's go to Paul in Floral Park. You're on the fan. How are you doing, Good, Paul? Nice How are you? To talk
8: to again. <laughs> All right, good. Yeah, yeah, Sammy Donald. So let's uh, let's give him another chance.
1: Yes. This this is the last year of his contract, right? Yeah, he's got the fifty year option. Yeah, right. Today say again? He's got the 50 year option, which would be about twenty five million dollars. But yeah, they're paying him okay. rookie money now.
9: Right, right, right. Okay, okay.
8: Uh, Brett Gardner, yeah. Uh, to this would be the last call uh, because the, we can't go on forever. It's time for clit, uh, clip, ratio Yep, that's
0: you know, it. We got
8: to see what what he can do. Let the kids play. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Gary Sanchez. Uh, you know, there's only so far that we can we can go to uh, motivating him. You know, the rest has to come from him. For those who do it, it ain't, ain't going to happen.
5: They're okay, going be sticking around for too much longer. Yeah.
1: yeah you know, I, I don't know if it's a question of motivation. I think he's motivated. I do. And yeah, I'm in the minority. Right. I think he's motivated. I just think he has right. 5,000 people telling him 5,000 different things to do mentally, yeah. cerebrally, right. and he can't process it all. And he's trying to do them all at once, and, and he uh-huh. can't. That's what <clears throat> I
12: think. Right. Right. All right. All right. Thank you, Jeff. All right.
1: All right. Talk, we'll to on, talk. talk to you. Talk to on Twitter, good. Paul. All
12: right. All right. Be safe. <laughs> you too. All right. All
1: right. Um, that's the thing. Like, everybody likes to to crap on Gary Sanchez, right? Like, oh, he sucks. I like to always approach things as, okay, how do we fix? How can we fix? And he said some other. See, he said some things that he's been trying to work on, and it's just got to be go back to the basics, start from the beginning, and work up, right? And, and add more things. But what he said. You know, he said at the end of, this is a quote, towards the end of the season, I focused on hitting the ball hard to right field. And that helped me in avoiding swinging at those sliders out of the zone. I was no longer swinging at those breaking pitches away. That helped me. And right field. Can you guys imagine? Right field. I've been professing right field for every single show I've been on here. And he's finally doing it. So that's a mental adjustment, the mental preparation, which is so important to me and my players. I don't put them ne- near next to a T and have them just slam it into the net. Like what's the point of that? I have them the ones that buy into what I'm doing. I have them envisioning, I have them moving up in the box to simulate the being the ball being deeper into the zone to go to right field. You know, it's it's always a cerebral thing. It's always a mental thing that I'm working on with my players. Physical mistakes are going to happen, right? But mental errors, if you can really squash all of them, like from the Tom Brady school of thought, that there should be zero mental errors, then there should be. Then, you, then you're working with something. But I love that he made that adjustment at least. So, listen, he's hopefully hit rock bottom. I don't know if there's any worse you can do. And we didn't even talk yet about Robinson Chirino's coming in. That's going to be a major kick in the butt to Gary Sanchez to get it in gear. And that's the Garrett Cole effect. We talked about the Garrett Cole effect on here before. He likes pitching Higashioka over Gary Sanchez. <laughs> I would too. And then you got Torino's coming in, who worked with him in uh, in Houston. The in 2019 the Cole Torino's connection I wrote is real. They worked together for 68 and two thirds innings. Cole had a 1.57 ERA. 114 strikeouts, and only 11 walks. I don't know. Why are they having everybody catch everybody? I don't know. It's either going to be Torinos or Higashioka catching Cole. That's all that matters, right? All right. In the order that you guys called, uh, Dave in Comac, you're up. On am a fan.
23: Hey, how are
1: you? I'm good. How are you, Dave?
23: Oh, let's see. It's the same old story for the Islanders. Two out of those three goals for a llama standing too far out of the net. Yeah. The Islanders should have won that game. A better effort with regard to the scores, but they still didn't win, and I blame it on, on Verlama because to, uh, if you look at the highlights on YouTube, mm-hmm. you'll see that uh, he's too far out of the net, and the other team's got a wide-open net on yeah. two of the goals.
1: It's just frustrating, right? It's, it's frustrating because that game was in reach. Right. Or should I mean, have been in reach. But
23: it's, uh, they did the same thing uh, the la- you know last week on a few of the games that they lost llama the same thing, and and funny monkey see monkey do with the Russian goaltender. He does the same thing. Yeah. I and, wonder
1: though that that maybe that's how they're being coached, I mean, right?
23: Well, then, uh, then it's wrong. Then, uh, it's maybe maybe Trotz needs to go. Then
1: it's obviously wrong, but I, I don't, I don't, I I could, not, I could not, I can't understand why they would both be doing it. You know what I'm saying? Like
23: I've right? seen it on. No. I'm no. not making this up. Oh no, there I believe you. Replays on YouTube.
1: Mm-hmm. No, I believe you. I'm just saying, like. What, like trying to get to the reason of of why, like why are they doing that?
23: Probably because maybe Trotz is uh, what they call a player's coach. He basically doesn't say anything, figuring you know, they'll figure it out for themselves. Yeah, he doesn't want to upset the chemistry. But you know what? That's really a problem because uh, you can't do that in the playoffs, and that's how, why they lost to Tampa Bay yeah. in the playoffs last year. The same thing. Yeah.
0: And not to, I about- to say that
23: okay, they almost made it to what game six or game seven. Yeah, but they they probably would have won that series if 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 Valama is not standing two or three feet out in front of the net yeah. and leaving a wide open net for the Tampa Bay Lightning.
1: Yeah, and, and cutting down the angle on, on right. The shots. Right, and,
23: and you can't afford to give up goals because you don't have the scoring yeah. to make up for them. Yeah, uh, and you can't do a run and gun with uh, Tampa Bay. They'll have you know they'll have you for supper basically.
1: Yep, that's that's their specialty <laughs> really.
23: But um, yeah. there was but you know. Uh, Maybe they uh, trade and try and bring back Tavares, but I, you know...
0: No way. That (laughs) That would be a
23: mutiny. That's what's missing. Yeah. But still, you know... uh, Barzell does well. It all just goes back to, well, why do you think Tavares left? Because the Islanders, they've done nothing to improve that team. They they don't have a winning record. They've never really won in the playoffs except maybe last year. And that's it.
1: Well, Dave, I don't know... uh... The slander is totally warranted. I mean, they were just in the Eastern Conference Finals last year, but I mean, I see your point. It's frustrating. Maybe, maybe the frustration comes from them being that far and now falling so far. They, there. I mean, were they six and six, six or eight, six and three? <clears throat> so it's not a losing record, but eight, six and three. Let's see. Let Let's wait and see. That's my advice. That's what I got for you. Let's go to uh yeah, we've got time. Andy in Miami. You're
24: on the fan. I love hearing you, coach. It's great talking to you. Of
1: course, Andy. I love I love when you call. I know you're gonna have a great call, like everybody, but I-, I know this is gonna be a good one.
24: I appreciate it. You know the last time I called I followed Dave and he was talking about how Varlamov gave up too many goals when he took a puck to the throat before the game. <laughs> yeah. And then I, remember that. I think Dave's line. About how they never make the playoffs except for last year is pretty legend. Yeah, we're well, well, listening to that from. I mean, I guess last year is pretty good. And Fire Mary Trot, who you know, yeah, got yeah, that them was... deep in the playoffs. Also pretty legend, considering that he's won a uh, he's won a Stanley Cup. Fireball Washington. Fireball. Fire Mall. Okay, so I'll keep it to baseball and I'll keep it short. And mm-hmm. it's great talking to you. And it's great that you have Pat. Uh, two things. Number one. I've agreed with you. By the way, I haven't talked to you in a while, so congratulations on your very early. Tampa Bay is going to win the Super Bowl. You were there a a year in advance. You don't beat your chest about it, and it was very impressive. (laughs) And I love your guy TJ from Tampa Bay yeah. who does the beatbox. That yeah. guy was legend, too.
1: Oh, I'm going to tell him. I'll text him. Not right now, but I, I will text him. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell him. Yeah, that. he
24: might be sleeping. Yeah, he might this be. lying about his wife's nachos and missing <laughs> that. Yeah. And the five-bean layer dip was very impressive, and I could relate to that.
1: So he mentioned, for those of you who didn't catch it, that that Super Bowl special, TJ Reeves from Florida. He's the Tampa Bay Bucks radio network guy. I The first question in beatboxing was, which one. I started easy. What's one food for the Super Bowl that you can't do without? And he said, my wife's whatever, dip. And he was like, but I'm not having it this year because – I was like, what? He goes, because I'm going to be there.
24: Like I yeah, would, that was really cool. He would
1: gladly miss it just to be there. And I was like, yeah, I would too.
24: You're right. And you, you awarded him the round because of that line. Yeah,
1: yeah, it made me laugh.
24: So here's my baseball point. I just – I've agreed with you about Brad Hand. And I think I, – I missed your show earlier, so I'm interested in what it's you okay. think. of you on Walker. I think Walker, you know, is is better than some of the options that are out there. Mm-hmm. The question that I have sort of, I guess, is a Yankee question and a Met question. Mm -hmm. What did I miss about James Paxton doing so terrible that Corey Kluver is worth four and a half to five million dollars more than James Paxton? James Paxton, yeah, he also is injury prone, but through a heck of a lot more innings the last two years than Corey Kluver did. And I know Corey Kluver's won two Cy Youngs, and I know you've got the guy with the um, weightlifting place. Mm-hmm. eric kressley yep and i know they're doing more yoga which definitely is good considering the way the last two years have been and, and i know the pitching coordinator for the yankees was from the indians but mm-hmm. i'm sorry do you walker you know i think is a decent addition for the mets i think james paxton didn't seem like a ton of money i think he signed I'm from wrong coach i think he signed like six million for one year so i don't know how the yankees could say they couldn't afford him and then gave Kluber like a Almost eleven million dollars. So, I'm interested in your thoughts on that, and yeah. who does the Mets have left they can get? Because I'm still concerned about the bullpen. And everything else, I think they had a tremendous.
1: Yeah, Andy, thanks for the call. A bunch of stuff there. Uh, so, try. I was trying to write it down mentally, but uh, first, the Mariners have agreed to terms with free agent starting pitcher James Paxton on a one-year, eight and a half million dollar deal. I think that ship had sailed. I don't think Paxton wanted to pitch for the Yankees, and I think, I think everybody, you know, everybody in the organization knew it. So, I think that's why. They did not pursue him, but he was high on my on my list uh, for the Mets because of his, the bulk of innings that he, he pitched, et cetera, et cetera. But anyway, that's Chip has sailed because he is now a Mariner. Huh, hey, look at that. No pun intended there. So then we got Taewon Walker. You know, I, that's kind of like, you know, I didn't want to beat my chest here, but I told you we were talking, we've been talking about Taewon Walker since December 13th. I look back at my notes and probably even before it. But that was in the context of joining the Yankees. And that was an ultimate no from me. From a Yankee standpoint, because they needed a true number two starter, Walker at this point is just not. And the Mets saw it the same way I did. He he's going to be their fourth or fifth starter. Um, what I like about him, well, the two seventy ERA, you know, which is good. Two forty three opponent batting average, also good. Potential for huge upside for him, right? I told you I would if I were the Mets. I told you this. Go back. I told you, if I were the Mets, I would. I called it. Take a flyer. Take a flyer on him. I know I didn't. I didn't um, come up with that saying on my own, but take a flyer on him. Coming off the surgery, I like the two-year deal. I don't like the twenty million dollars though, which is a ten million of annual contract. So you know, some things to like, some things not to like with him. Fastballs down, et cetera. K rate among the lowest in the league. But you know what? Mets starting rotation could absorb it, could definitely absorb it. Hey, we'll take more of your calls. as your last chance to get aboard, 877-337-6666. I'm Danielle McCartan on The Fan.
7: Join us tomorrow morning on Boomer and Geo. We got the Mets and Yankees in full force down in spring training. And, of course, the Knicks, the Nets, and all the hockey that Boomer can talk about.
24: And an update on the Boomer and Geo boat parade going through the Great South Bay. Can't wait to talk about it, especially given the
6: weather.
7: 5 to 6 a.m. is the warm-up show, 6 to 10. We're all together right here on The Fan.
0: Party, do we die!
1: We've got DJ Pat Boyle on, on the ones and twos, everybody. Wake it up. It is the final chance to get aboard. 877-337-66. I had a tweet come in. Tell me, Danielle, who should step up and be a leader? Who is Guardy taking leadership from? I don't know. Zach Britton stepped up the other day. Aaron Judge. Maybe face of uh, MLB, Aaron Judge. Even the, the Yankees team, if you don't want to go that far, face of the MLB. Or how about DJ LeMayhew, one of the most coveted free agents in uh, position players anyway. The most coveted position player in the entire league. How about that? We could start there. We us start there. All right. Let's go, you guys. Eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. Sparky Dobbs-Ferry, you are up on the fan.
21: Well, how's everything, coach? Doing great, Sparky. How are you? Okay. Oh, good. Thank you. Um, but as far as Brett Gardner, there's nothing good about bringing him back. Because the only person that's going to lose it bats is Clint Fraser. Mm-hmm. Okay. And let's face it, unless I'm imagining things, tell me what Yankees are better fastball hitting than him. I, you, know?
1: I, I, you know? I can't, I can't you know, off the top of my head, you know? I don't know. We'll have to wait and okay.
21: see. That guy turns on any fastball. Yeah. And now with Tanaka, Tanaka to me is a reason why you throw analytics out the window because analytics don't measure a player's heart.
1: Yeah, okay. but a heart, but, but heart can't. Paint the corners, but, you know what? but I agree with you that he should have been brought back.
21: Because you know what, you're just in a big spot. You just feel so confident with him yes. on the mound.
1: Agreed, agreed. Okay.
21: Now you were bringing up one thing that you must be a mind reader about <laughs> the dead ball. Yeah, I mean deadening the ball. Personally, I don't think it's going to have the effect people think. Is is an area that's totally overlooked. <laughs> Hitters are allowed to be totally comfortable at the plate okay, pitches aren't allowed to pitch inside, and they don't know how to pitch
1: inside. Mm. You know? Well, yeah, I mean, I don't want to open up, we could save this for next week, the can of worms on the deadening of the ball. It, it's okay. going to its going to have an effect. Uh, I, I've got tons of research for it. it. It's been done in the Korean League. In the meantime, sparking it throughout the week, if you want to look, the Korean Leagues ha- have done it, and um, they're expecting much of the same uh, projections for, for the Major League Baseball. But We could do this okay. for next week, don't worry. And,
21: you know, when you you know, when you won your prize and everything. <laughs> yeah. Coach, I would not have gotten tennis. You know what my fifth would have been? Lacrosse. And you know, I say lacrosse. I'm thinking about another all-around athlete in college. Jimmy Brown was basically an All-American lacrosse player at Syracuse. Hmm.
1: Yeah, that never even crossed my mind, honestly. I just really thought tennis because for hand-eye coordination, I, that's, that. I don't know. Yeah, and someone just tweeted me, Don, Don Hines Jr. just tweeted me, and, and I sent it to you, Pat, uh, a, a picture of Jackie Robinson playing tennis. Pretty cool. And, and
21: um, you know, you're bringing up about the conditioning, you know, with Judge and mm-hmm. Stanton. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking, coach, when I was growing up, I played ball all my life. I never lifted weights. My only conditioning stuff I did, I'd like to do a lot of road work and swimming. Mm
0: hmm. Oh, that's good
1: for you. That's good for you. That's, you know. Because
21: you know what? You, you really do, when you swim and stuff, you do stuff you normally wouldn't do. Right. And like pitching a baseball isn't a normal type thing you do. Yeah. You know?
1: It's a non-normal uh, mechanism for your arm there, Sparky. Yeah. All right, Sparky, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. We'll talk to you next hey, week. Absolutely. Take care. Bye. And and swimming is good, too, because there's no stress on the joints when, when you swim. So, uh, And by the way, uh, just on the break, and I forgot to mention it before I went to Sparky. Uh, in case you're watching, Novak Djokovic just won the Australian Open. Uh, 9-0. When, when he goes to the Australian Open, he doesn't lose. So Novak Djokovic wins the Australian Open. It's pretty cool. And he threw his racket into the stands. Oh, imagine, I can't wait to go back to the stands to catch things <laughs> that have been thrown by players. Catch a foul ball, it's on my life goal. Stan, in Westport, you are on the fan.
25: Hey, I hope he doesn't break the trophy over somebody by accident. <laughs> He's got a history, right? But anyway, hi. Uh I think your show's great and Thank the you. perspective you bring from coaching is is really unique and, and I hope you get a lot more airtime. Thank you two quick things on baseball and one on the Knicks. So with the with the Yankees, right? Their DNA is message management. And it goes all the way back to the cover up type of mentality. That George had with the Nixon relationship. I mean, I think it's very deeply ingrained in the Yankees. So this whole Herman thing Mm -hmm. is going to blow up in their face because it's already started to come apart. Mm -hmm. And now, like you said, Aaron Boone's put in a really bad spot by this whole thing. And, you know, it's, 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 you don't want to start out the season with the clubhouse in disarray. Uh, On the Mets, real quick. So Syndergaard and his, you know, social media. These guys just can't help themselves. (laughs) My view here is very simple. The Mets cannot succeed without him being a Cy Young level consistent pitcher, whether he's the number two starter Mm -hmm. or not, because that's just the way it is. You know, that's just the way the stats line up. You know, he's too inconsistent. He should focus on being the best pitcher he's capable of which is a Cy Young level pitcher you know he's got that ability but he's never fulfilled it so you know I get it's entertaining with Bauer and everything but I don't think that should be the focus the guy needs to get ready to have a breakout year if the Mets are going to succeed yeah, yeah. and they have the capabilities to do it I agree and yeah. then lastly on the Knicks
0: but Mike wait, Woodson Stan,
25: you can't what, you can't <laughs> say that sending a couple
1: right. tweets is taken away from building a Cy Young season come on
25: Trevor Burrus, Trevor Bauer thing last
0: year.
1: <laughs> True.
25: I hope not, but different strokes for different folks. Look, right. He's got an edge to him anyway, Syndergaard, so I, I I think like feeding into that edge kind of hurts him. That's uh, just my We'll opinion. see. We'll see. Final point. Uh, Go ahead. And then the last thing on the Knicks is Mike Woodson is really the unsung hero of this season, and a guy, as far as the organization goes, they owe a lot to because he was really wronged by the Phil Jackson era, if you remember. You know, he was brought in as an interim, very successful, got to the playoffs the next year. They were, what, 37 and and uh, 45 or something. But that was the best year they had, and he got canned by Phil Jackson, who then got canned himself. And that was the best season they had for years until, you know, hopefully this comes around. So I'd just like to give a shout-out to Mr. Woodson and uh, – you know he's the, the force behind the scenes, in my opinion.
1: I hope he's listening. Stan, thanks for the call. Uh, Thibodeau, uh, by the way, Richard Jefferson said uh, Richard Jefferson said that the Knicks, uh, they've really got something going. So, uh, between Julius Randle and Tom Thibodeau, it'll be an attractive destination again. You heard it from Richard Jefferson. That's for that's uh, that was on the record. That was about, uh, about an hour ago. Okay, let's go to Maury in Belmore. You're on the fan.
14: All I could say to that is hallelujah. love to be watching some good Knicks games again.
1: It's fun, though. I love the, their style of play, though, they're defensive-minded. I like watching that.
14: Yeah, I think Phil took us back around five to seven years, just that whole debacle of him coming in and taking yeah. over. I just wish it didn't happen, but the we at. It's exciting to watch them again, you know? Yeah, it is. So, uh, Coach, I wanted to bring it back to Sanchez and the Yankees. I, I think having Garner is not just going to take bats away from the kids. I think maybe sometimes plug him into the center field uh you know, at some point or maybe yeah. move him over. You have him. He's great to be in the in, in the clubhouse, you know, banging the top of the the, the dugout. I
1: hate, I hated that. It, I'm sorry. I didn't like it at all.
14: I know, but you know what? I think he was just trying to let the kids know to chill. This is just a game. And you know, I don't know. I, you're, to you I don't chill? love that. As <laughs> you as a coach probably don't love it at all. I hated it. I just think having him is not such a bad thing.
1: Uh I'd rather pitching, but yeah. It is what it is.
14: Hey, listen, I enjoy listening to you. Keep up the great work, Coach, and I enjoy your insight on some of your players. And their sort of, hey, no one, when I told them about social media, they listened. listen, I mean, why can't some of these adults try and listen to sports today? It would make it such a better world.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, just do what I can, you know, and, the, and I've never had a problem with it. So, you know, awesome. I guess the message was strong enough.
14: <laughs> yeah. yeah. I guess I scared them. Thank you again. Great show.
1: Yeah, thanks, Murray. I appreciate it. Yeah, I guess I scared them. I don't know. Let's go to – oh, we can get probably two more. Mitch in East Windsor, you're on the fan.
5: Good morning, Daniel. Good show. Well, thank you. With the Jets, it just be simple to keep Sam. I'd rather see him go to Denver or San Francisco. But you can draft the best wide receiver, So I mean
1: two, and then you get the best running back at 23. Yeah, but what? listen, did you watch the Super Bowl? Patrick Mahomes could not do anything with that ragtag offensive line. I, I'm going O-line first, you know. Their, their their first pick, wherever that falls, I think it'll end up being around six or seven. Haven't studied it yet. I'm going O-line first. Wow. Yeah. You got, for me, my philosophy, though, is you have to build from the inside out. You saw it with the Titans, and look what they've done. You, you've seen it with the Colts, and look what they've done. Playoff teams. So I, I think and Tony Richardson was on uh, not long ago, and he said you can have the Best you can have Jerry Rice catching passes from Sam Darnold, but if Sam Darnold's looking to, uh, uh, through the the ceiling of, of MetLife Stadium at the sky, there's no he could be standing wide open in the end zone, and he's never going to get the ball to him. So that I liked, I liked that analogy.
5: With the Nationals and the Dodgers, fan that bounce hope doesn't cause us Corey Seager and Clayton next year's at free agency. But the Nationals has gotten so much better. I mean, the Padres, the yeah. Mets making moves, Atlanta, yep, yeah. some if- race.
0: Yeah. It,
1: what about the 14? We didn't even talk about the 14 year deal for Tatis. I mean, come on, that's a lot. A lot. It's
5: long. Wow, I know. Hey, they, I guess they, that's that's on the cheap. Finally, they're keeping their star talent. You like to see the swarm of even though there's like a couple million people in San Diego. Uh-huh, yeah. That's something. Oh, thanks for taking my call and everything.
1: Of course, Mitch. Thank you for picking up the phone. Um you know, the one thing, I'll tell a quick story, but that I was in San Diego talking to the Uber driver. I'm not going to take a breath here, but I was talking to the Uber driver and he was like, listen, um, you know, our window is closed. It, it sucks being in a small market because, you know, either the talent leaves or you have one good season and that's kind of it. But I think that the signing of Tatis is trying to buck that trend. You know, we'll see. Make him make it. He, he makes that an attractive destination for for years to come. For exactly fourteen years to come. So we'll see. I don't know, but that's just a thought from my Uber driver in San Diego when I went to uh, Peco Park. Let's go to John in Freehold. Looks like you're going to be closing us out tonight, John.
26: Hey, good morning, Daniela. How are you? Uh, I'm in agreement with you. I'm I, I'm really enjoying the way the Knicks are playing this year, and I think it's a little premature for Worldwide West to try to. Uh, recruit Br- Bradley Beal to get him over to the Knicks. Yeah. I, I just think, yeah, yeah you, you know what, it doesn't solve their number one need, which is a franchise point guard Yes, to orchestrate the offense and get these guys the ball on the floor in their sweet spots to yep. be most successful and really break down and pressure the defense and get some easy baskets. Mm-hmm. That's their number one need uh, overall for sure. And, uh, of course, they need to improve their perimeter shooting as well. But uh, I'd rather have one more real solid draft. I, I really believe in the scouting department they have in place now in the front office. Quickly and I Toppin? Gather... Come on. Yeah, quickly, Toppin. You know, I really like what Randall's done. I think he's a core piece going forward. Yeah. And I don't want to disrupt that. I don't want to give up future assets in the way of draft picks and, and pick swaps and, mm-hmm. and, 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 uh, and Julius Randall to bring Bradley Beal in. And then you're in the same boat that you were with Carmelo Anthony, where you've given up all these assets and you, you've forfeited your salary cap flexibility. Yeah, right. And now you've got nobody to put around Bradley Beal and and, and anybody else that you may have uh, remaining on the team. I, I just think that, that that's a recipe for disaster. Yep. Like Bulls, said, bullseye. Just, just be patient and do it the way that Golden State did it. Yep. You know, one more real solid draft. And then enhance the roster with free. You know, Victor Oladipo has been mentioned as well. Yeah. He's an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year. You could sign him for money. You don't have to give up any assets. Exactly. Yeah. I'm not a. I'm not a fan of him. He always gets hurt. I don't think he's a winner winning player. I wouldn't go that direction. And Zach Levine. If you really like Zach Levine, wait two more years and sign him as a free agent. I'm not giving up assets right now. They're not, they're not good enough right now to to do that. They're not in that position at this point.
1: Exactly, John Bullseye. You nailed it there. And I think well, first of all. Well I don't think I'm looking at it Bradley Beal is set to make 34 million dollars this season and 37 it looks like just about for next season that's a ton of cash okay And so, and I think you can make that same exact parallel with the New York football Jets when you say, well, they're not in a position to give up draft capital. Stay away from Deshaun Watson. There's, there's, you know, he's, he's a good player. He's not a good player for the Jets. And there is the difference there, right? You cannot be giving up draft capital, selling the farm in order to bring him here and pay him all the money that he's going to be owed to be, to, and then what? What are you going to surround him with? It's going to be the same problem. And he's got an opt out uh, in the year uh, after the 2023 season, I think it is. So thanks to all the callers. Could not have done this without you guys. Great night tonight. I want some Mets tickets, by the way. I love coming here, talking to you all. If you miss any portion of the show, hit that radio.com rewind feature. At 340 was my first GM and head coach that I've ever joined the program, New York Liberty's GM Jonathan Kolb, head coach Walt Hopkins. Uh, 440, former New York Net our New Jersey Net, and current Brooklyn Nets analyst on the ES Network, Richard Jefferson. While you're there, why don't you just go back to 2 a.m. Listen to the whole thing while you're at it. Great job to Pat tonight. As always, DJ Pat Boyle on the ones and twos. Mike McCann on the updates. Bob Salter is up next. In the meantime, at Coach MCCARTAN on Twitter, Facebook.com slash Coach McCartan. And we will keep the conversation going throughout the week. I will see you in same bat time, same bat channel next week.
0: Sports Radio, 101.9 FM